With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Because you've got powerful legs, how'd you get the physique? Was it gym or how'd you get the physique? Um, I've always been that She's actually not got powerful legs. Do you shower in your dressing room? Do you have a shower on the day of a fight or not? Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, oh, you yeah. little prick. But then I've got the phoenix. Hey, prick. So I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. Absolute disgrace. I just sure know it'll mind. Move him out of here, Daryl. Ricky Hatton didn't go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual. I never said that. Both have been rape victims. Watching Frank Boogley only <laughs> live on Saturday night. <laughs> Out of your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a handout. Boxing, um, Natter's messenger group. Oh, they're gonna, oh, I'm gonna be the king. Jay Bump, you know what I'm saying? Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 528th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining me on the call, we have Matty DiGiallonardo. Rapping Rob Kelly and Andy Patterson going live on YouTube from 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everyone listening through the week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice. For the entire month of June, nothing less than five stars is acceptable. We are on to episode 528. All rested, relaxed and recuperated after our break last weekend. We're going to be talking maybe a little bit of Ioko in Japan later on, if anybody saw it. A bit of Carlos Adames. We had Progre last week. Tim's you might touch upon that. Uh, Jared Anderson and Dalton Smith next week. Uh, not stellar boxing, but we have plenty to keep us going. Vinny the Doorman was fighting last hey. night as well. Hey, the, uh, Steve. Yes. Also next week was going to be the fight between Savannah Marshall and Franchon Cruz Desern for all the belts at 168. So, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I'm get, I was getting to it, week. but uh, can't confess that I was, Matty, to be honest. <laughs> I know you weren't. I know you well, Mr. Wellington. I know you well. And, Chicks with uh, Dig coming up for that one now? No, we already talked about it on the last one. Uh, probably look to come back in early August after the uh, uh, after Serrano fights again and kind of see what's shaking from there. 
you know, do it like four, you know, do it like quarterly, Steve. That's the goal of chicks with dick. Do do that quarterly. Like, like, you know, the amount of time you want to spend with your girlfriends and stuff. About quarterly. Quarterly. Yeah, absolutely. Quarterly is a bit of a stretch, but we get the point anyway. Uh, Matty wants to be crushed between the thighs of Franch on Cruz Desern. Maybe he'll have his chance when she fights <laughs> Van Marshall next weekend. They are some thighs, let me tell you, everybody. Let's start, though, last night in Madison Square Garden Theatre. Powerful legs, eh? In New York, she's got powerful legs. Has she not got powerful legs, though? Tell you what, Edgar Belanga used to have a powerful fists, Andy. He went in against Jason Quigley. Uh, the knockout streak is over. We had uh, Progray last week, which we'll touch upon. We had Belanga this week. We had Kovnaki as well, as we said on the thumbnail. Uh, how's Dead Zone working out? Too fast, too ferocious. One billion dollar <laughs> check. Bring that heavy artillery, mate. Uh, how's it going, Andy? Though. Give us an last, assessment. It's not looking good. The last couple of weeks, two big signings for Eddie and I know delivered. Uh, I thought Progray, will get, which we'll get to, sh- you know, was probably looking to put on a bigger performance. Same with Belanga, but that's that's about three or four bad performances by Belanga now on the, on the spin. He's going to gas out at some point. Um, I'd imagine, like, say, if he's if he's trading hooks like he, like he was there last night, like, like say, a Charlo, for example, he's, he's going to go to sleep. Um, we saw him buzzed a wee bit. Um, I wouldn't even say he's, he's at, is at B level. I mean, I don't rate Lemieux, but I would say Lemieux is, is, is at a better level, or was at a better level than what he is. He seems to be lacking something. He's definitely he's got the power at least, as I say, but it's, um, it's I don't think it's lost or just runs out of ideas during fights. You know, he, he, he looks like he can end up getting outboxed. I don't think he's 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 got the most strongest chin. He leaves him side uh, well well open. I think a far better rounded fighter would definitely would definitely have, have their way with him. You can't even be talking about putting him in the likes of, well, obviously Kenel's jump ship. That's 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 by the by. But if you're talking names like Benavidez, Morel, you want chucking Andrade in there as well, mate. There's he's got nothing for those guys. And I think Bob and Top Rank pretty much got it right with him when they when they when they when they let him go. I think they maybe saw the writing on the wall when it be fair. So <laughs> maybe a John Ryder next, possibly. Um or the Mungia fight, but again, you've got Eddie and Oscar coming out there having go see each other. So, what's the chances that fight getting made? You just don't know. So, it's um, there's not really much to say. That just that he was he was gritty. So was Quigley. You know, to be fair, he showed he showed at times and that um, some some good body work, some good combinations, done some decent work off the ropes and that. But ultimately, just you know, what I'm saying just just. He got dropped, obviously, a number of times and that as well. It's not going to help you. But some of the scorecards and that was at 116-109. Showed you if it was just outside those those knockdowns, it might be a bit more tight on the cards. But there's nothing there that suggests that, uh, for me at least, that Berlinga is going to have, have much success at world title level. I think he's on borrowed time as it is at, uh, at present. Munguia would probably be a, a more entertaining fight, but I still don't think he comes out of that fight on, you know, unscathed. I think he takes a bit of punishment, probably gets dropped. We see what Mungia's got in that as well in terms of you know lacking defence that, but he has got you know the will and he has got the engine in that as well. I think Belinga can also look like he can gas on the stretch, so I would probably put Mungia favourite in that potential fight. So I don't know it's... why you'd say that. I mean, I understand. I agree, Mungia favourite, but um, I mean, both of these guys were scoring knockdowns in the twelfth round of their last fight, so I I just don't think there's proof in the pudding of your engine comment there. Do you want to go back in on him, Amanda? You go, mate. No, no. Sorry, I'm trying to eat chips and I... But yeah, I just... These guys, I mean, they just... If there's anything about the fight between these guys that's great, they both throw punches, they both have some bang, 
they are questionable at their defense, and they can end up getting knockdowns in the twelfth round. I, I I just completely disagreed with you on that one. I mean, we just saw the guy you know score big in the twelfth round. Got a good enough motor. He's just shitting a lot of other ways. Yeah, but you need to remember as well. You know, at least at least Mungia has got that experience. Title fights. He has you know been active as such, and then he's been up in weight a few times. You know, Devnachenko isn't a, isn't an easy fight for anybody. Uh, you know, you got to say that Devnachenko is is far superior to anything that Berlinga's faced at this point. And Mungia's, you say, okay, he's, he's he's come on strong there in the latter half of that fight, but I just don't think Berlinga's got anything for Mungia that Mungia's already hasn't hasn't dealt with through his pro career, and he's got good experience at this point. How does Plus, how does Berlinga Andy get on with Devnachenko if he fights him? I think Devnachenko has his way with him, mate. To be fair. Maybe maybe a couple of fights back, definitely. Obviously, you're, you're thinking that the guy's been through three hard fights through his career, and that's probably taking a wee bit out of him. But I think he's still got enough about him. I mean, you, know, you, you see those combinations that you can throw off. I can certainly offset what, what, what Berlinga tries to do anyway. I don't think he does anything special. He just tries to kind of step, set up the power shots. Um, if he get if you know if he get if he gets you on the ropes, now he can maybe try and tee off you. But Devachenko, whenever he backs up, now always lets his hands go. I think he would definitely expose. Berlinga's lack of defence. No, I, I think he's just an accident waiting to happen. Um, shout out to Ricky Gravel. He's not an accident waiting to happen. MTK Enforcer has thrown in four ninety nine on the super chats. Didn't uh, he used to do four forty nine, Steve? I'm not sure to be honest. He's maybe raised it up by fifty p. The cost of living's going up, and we weren't here last week, so he's showing I, us that we're loved. Yeah, absolutely. Stay with the in the picture for a paid one. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's loving life. He's all Richard there. It, it's a miracle. Absolutely. And I mean, I appreciate that he understands that inflation affects those of us at the asylum too. That's very yeah, nice, Ricky. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Ricky. Your fiver is appreciated. Uh, one for you, Matty. Belanga, uh, 16 and 0, 16 knockouts. The gimmick was getting those first round KOs. We all wondered what was going to happen whenever he didn't knock somebody out in the first round. Quite literally, what would happen when he got into the second round? Since that fight in 2021, when he fought Demond Nicholson, he went to the eighth round. I think he knocked him down a few times along the way. Then Caceres went the distance. Steve Rolls went the distance. Romo Alexis Angula went the distance. And now he went 12 rounds for the first time against Jason Quigley. 16 and over 16 KOs. The last five fights, all step-ups of various quality and degree, have all gone the distance. We wondered what would happen to Balanga after the knockout streak in the first round ended. What have you seen since that ended? Are you impressed or not? You know, he's a tough one, Steve, and I, I think something to, to keep in mind with this is that he's he's probably better than we give him credit for, but the reason we give him so much shit is the fault of the promotions, actually primarily top rank, uh, you know, had him in the first place, for how much they hyped him up initially, right? Mm. And once that's done and over with, you have some level of expectation. Um, so whereas I, I, I don't think he's, you know, this fantastic, incredible knockout machine, like, like, you know, people like he was trying to be pushed upon us originally. Um, but I, I, I do think he's an all right, you know, kind of a C plus B minus E area guy. Um, and I think Mungia is, you know, good enough to beat him, but I mean, Berlanga, I mean, he's, if there's anything that I'd say has changed with him from the, the crazy knockout guy to what he is now, 
is that he's just more jab happy instead of throwing uh, lead backhands. He's, he's just, you know, he jabs here, he jabs there. And it's not a great jab. It's a decent jab, but he, he's not, uh, he's not throwing as many right hands as he used to by any degree. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think getting hurt, staggered and dropped uh, in those uh, recent few fights has definitely played a role on that. And yeah, I, I, I would have to favor Munguia going down the stretch in that one too. Just uh, I think Jaime, um, also, I mean, I, I think he's probably draining himself to get to 160 at this point in time. So you'd have to think he might look uh, part- particularly solid at 168. Um, uh, but that's, I mean, that Derevinchenko, uh close win, um, you know, you could score that either way, really. It was a close fight, but Derevinchenko is a good fighter. The close with the Domus that he had was really uh, tight as well. I mean, he's not a, the guy's not a joke of a fighter whatsoever. He's 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 a, a hell of a decent uh past there so um yeah i uh but i'll, I'll have to go with mungia um over berlanga um but w- with a little bit of hesitancy because i think Berlanga's all right i just I, he's when they set the bar that high he's, he wasn't going to be able to see the it. problem see the problem right and i i, I kind of got the impression right, about the fifth round last night on watching berlanga i i think the, the ceiling's been reached by him you since the ko stopped <clears throat> you have not seen a single improvement i don't think you he didn't, him do he didn't fight different. anybody. He didn't fight anybody, Andy. True, but then again, I mean, I wouldn't say Quigley's a step up in class. I wouldn't say like that guy Caceres was a step up in class. I mean, these are guys that you should be fighting at the developmental stage. He's not talking. He's talking big. He's talking title fights. You got Eddie Hearn in the corner, and that. I mean, Eddie's no one but wasting his time fucking with him trying to build him up against a guy, you know, a guy like Quigley, for example. In all due respect, he's wanting title fights. He's wanting to try and breach into that Puerto Rican. Uh, heritage and that type of thing. So imagine that's the Mungia fights trying to get made in Mexico, Puerto Rican rivalry. But I've just not seen anything. A single improvement for the KO streak ended, to be fair. You know, apart from the power, which Matt Butters is saying there in the chat there, in his opinion, the power isn't all that real. Um, which will probably be true actually if you're going to go up in levels, uh, especially you know at the elite level. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even give him a chance against Old Man Golovkin right now. Would not give him a chance. No, I think regarding Matt Butter's comments there, Andy, about the power's not real, I think it's maybe somewhere in between, which also touches upon what Matty said as well. He's sort of caught between two stools. Top rank clearly uh, saw the, f- the first round KO streak coming along. They probably knew his boxing ability and carried that on for as long as they possibly could. And as soon as he stepped up, he did drop him on Nicholson about three or four times. He dropped Quig- Quigley last night four times. I'm not saying these are elite guys, but I think he can definitely punch. But early on, he had the intimidation factor. He was going for people. And now he knows he has to do the distance. He's tried to show people he can box, Andy. And I'm not really sure he can box that well. He's turned from this exciting first round one-dimensional guy or how long can this KO streak go on for? It's mm. quite a boring fighter, actually. As I, as I'm saying, he kind of like match back the levels. Now, I mean, at least Lemieux when he was coming through, he was he was hyped up. He had the crowd behind them. I do everything in that as well. Um, when he stepped up in class, he got, he got found out. It's going to be the exact same here. And I just don't think it will change. To be fair, I don't even think, I think a change of trainers will do at this point. He's he's up in age, and you know? he must be at least the mid to late twenties at this point. I just don't know how much he can improve at this point. He does try to box from time to time, but then he kind of like as I say, he looks lost. And it just looks like a guy if he's caught between two styles. Then it's coming across as a guy who's who's basically peaked or hit his limit as a fighter, and all he can really do is is, is basically show those those wide shots that he does with the, with the some dig behind it. I'm not saying that he can't, he can't dig as such, but I just don't think it's, it's, it's you know, legit one hit or quarter power. 
I just think, you know, he's got nothing really for Mungia, who he eats shots. And again, we can say that it's only going to take, you know, so many of those. But at this point, I think he can still eat them. I think Mungia absolutely swarms and stops him. Uh, Rob, a quick shout out to uh, Jason Quigley. His nickname's The Animal, which is one of the most, in. Uh, <laughs> it's not an apt nickname for Quigley, I don't think. I saw him on the way up as an amateur. Very high hopes for him. World silver medalist, European gold medalist. I remember at the time in boxing at the seniors. Everyone said how talented he was. The amateur game, pro game, two very different things. He is a talented fighter. I think he took some really solid shots from Belanga. Uh, with the left hook, but as uh, I think you posited before, if he if he had a bit of a beard later on, it could have been interesting on our cards at least. The scorecards didn't seem to think so. Anyway, Quigley showed I think a bit of redemption, the toughness he showed, the boxing ability, kind of um, gave him like a bit of a swan song performance for what his ability deserved. Because the Andrade fight really didn't wasn't a, a clear exemplification of what he can bring to the table. But overall, his uh, pro career hasn't really gone the way he would have expected. Well, he's yeah, he's the last of the. Well, he's one of the three amigos that I had high hopes for from the Irish amateurs turning over, Mick Conlon and Joe Ward and him. He kind of, he turned over because um, he, he felt like he peaked at amateur and he didn't want to hang around away for the Olympics. He was on good money on the, the high performance team, but he said he had a family to feed and he went to the States kind of to try and kind of make his own way rather than be kind of a sought after prospect with a with a big promotion. I think he was a top rank early, wasn't he? Yeah. And then that oh, kind of fell like yeah, yeah, sorry. Was that a bad injury in his pro fight or something? <laughs> Not sure Joe there was Ward, one. That was Joe, oh, Joe Ward, Ward got Joe injured Joe earlier. Yeah. Quigley signed, quickly signed, I think, off the bat with Golden Boy, Rob. Yeah, and then it was like it was kind of all of a sudden that was over, and then he was back here, and then there's a couple of changes of trainers. He ended up with Andy. I thought Andy had a good game plan for him last night. He boxed the game plan, but it's just that bit of difference. Um, you know, the likes of Terry and Terriano Johnson, Andrade stopping him. He's just got a ceiling, hasn't he? Jason Quigley, you want like him? To, I don't think he's 168 pounder any day of the week, by the way. But um, like he hasn't got the pop, like you said, El Animal. Like he hasn't got the he hasn't got the pop. He hasn't, and he hasn't seemed to be able to hold the power as he's gone up to slight levels. Um, and there was a couple of fights before that preceded the Johnson one as well, where he looked like he gassed a little bit and lost his way a little bit. So I don't know, Quigley, I felt always there's massive self-doubt with him. Uh, maybe it comes from the kind of not really having enough to keep lads off him or whatever that way. Like, brilliant technical boxer, um, does everything right, but just kind of can't hold the shots at the higher level. And like, if he had been able to stay on his feet, even two of those times last night, they were kind of odd knockdowns as well, like where he's kind of losing balance and whatever and falling backwards and, he had been able to hold those shots a little bit better, he might have had a justified shout at, at getting the nod because he was fucking making Berlanga look terrible. Um, Berlanga is just weighed, has a kind of a wading style. He looks like he's slow coming in. He's the best uh, Puerto Rican 168 pounder since Gabe Rosado, in fairness to him. Um, <laughs> so I think, I don't know what's next for Quigley. I think he might kind of keep going at gatekeeper status and maybe have a Gabe Rosado kind of redemption moment down the line because like, he has got flashes of. Um, really good stuff, but I just don't think he has what it takes to to crack it at obviously world level. Um, Berlanga, I think it's a rough looking landscape for him. I don't want to go to spend too much time talking about fucking the zone. It's shocking. Like taking Elo out of the mix, AJ on a rebuild. What have they got there? Like the a bunch of scraps. You think Boxer have a bunch of scraps? Well, kind of Boxer have the scraps of what Matchroom used to be, and Ma and Matchroom now have the scraps of what fucking PBC and Top Rank and Golden Boy are throwing away. Like propping up their yearly subscription um he's not exciting the he's island not... of misfit toys 
Yeah, he's not he's not exciting. He's not on the right side of the street for the one sixty eight division. And even if he was, I think he'd fucking like Andy said, I think he'd struggle with any of the top guys there. Sixty eight's a bit of a graveyard for him. So seems to have a bit of self doubt as well. He was looks fucking pensive, edgy in that in the ring, doesn't really have to see to have that kind of old man pro season and that some some of the better younger fighters have. Um he looks very much like he's finding his way and I think it's only a matter of time before he gets his head flyed, isn't it? Like so, we'll see. Like, but yeah, a decent, decent enough fight, but predictable outcome, I think. I think as well, Rob. Just a quick word on Belanga. You can see why Eddie signed him. I mean, we can all see his limitations, but he is a bit of a nuisance. He's changed trainers in the past. He talks a lot of shit. He so he does bring a big Puerto Rican following with him as well. There's a nastiness about him. He's world ranked. He, you know, even though he's going to get beaten, if you can manage him right, Rob, and and promote him right, as Eddie will no doubt do. You can make a bit of money off him, I think. You see why he signed him. Yeah, but he does like he does he does he do the Puerto Rican badass kind of uh, routine well enough to cross over to get asses in seats? I don't know. Like I think there's a lot of. I just think his style is basically is going to be his main limitation. Like he can like he's not going to go AB levels of trash talk where he's like clickbait or whatever is he? Like he's just no. capable operator who's semi interesting, I guess. I'm not reselling them, am I? Like, I don't <laughs> when you want me to own subscription off that one. His own promo there. Matt Butter said the problem is uh, without the boxing base, you can't get the stoppages at the higher level. He might be physically a puncher, but not able to deliver on the opposition. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think he is a puncher. I think he's physically strong. And I think if he gets into range, he will absolutely do some damage. But as you say, Matt, um, it's getting into range against the better guys with a jab and a bit of movement. He's going to struggle to be able to get into position to land that power flush. And I, and I agree with you. I think that is the problem with him. Uh, as for the undercard, from what I saw on the zone, Matty, you might have seen a little bit more than me or maybe less than me. Who knows? Decent little opening scrap between Yankeel Rivera. I think he was a Olympian for, is he a Dominican? A Puerto Rican Olympian, sorry, as well. Went in against Christian Robles, both unbeaten. Decent little scrap there. Uh, Reshat Mate getting a ninth round knockout win over Dakota Linga and Adam Kovnaki, really fun fight against Joe Cusimano. But if you're getting knocked out in the eighth round and having your head rocked about, the Polish punch bag, as I'm going to call him, he's like Warsaw's answer to Sam Eggington. Exciting fights, but this guy's going to end up in a home if he's not careful. I'm not even joking. He took some shots against a capable Cusimano. Last time I saw him, he was getting banged out by Daniel Dubois. He showed a good jab, he showed a good athleticism, decent footwork, a good engine as well. And he absolutely beat the shit out of Konaki, Konaki towards the end. Konaki's just got to hang him up. No ifs, no buts matter. Yeah, and I think he uh, had reservations about continuing if he didn't look good, even if he won last night. So that should probably seal the deal. But as we know with fighters, they just tend to not uh, end up uh, heading out when they should. So we'll probably see him again, sadly. Um, but Kusumano putting on a good performance there. Um, I and, and what was a really entertaining fight, which, you know... Um, the first round knockdown uh, that Kusumano scored was a really nice shot, and uh, I, I think everybody was kind of shocked that it went as long as it did because uh, uh, Konoski was just uh, absolutely uh, in on uh, just uh, Queer Street after that one. He was in bad shape, uh, barely able to defend himself, but the time between rounds seemed to help him. He was able to weather the storm early in the second, and uh, and he, he landed a few really good shots uh, through the fight that hurt Kusumano too. Um, they were both uh, doing some decent work to the body. Um, it was really just a good old-fashioned heavyweight slugfest. Not a, a, a whole lot of talent in there, but there was a lot of heart, a lot of will, 
Um, some some good chins in there. They absorbed uh, both of them absorbed incredible shots off them. Obviously, uh, Kanoski uh, succumbing to him at the end of the day. Uh, Kusumano might be able to move on into an AJ payday off of this. So uh, good on him. Um, it's hard to learn a lot from a fighter when he gets taken out and around. You know, everybody can come out a little bit dry or whatever, and uh, could have been the case with Dubois. But he has a couple of questionable defeats uh, in his in his past where you kind of would have thought that Kanoski should probably run over this one, but um, he wasn't able to. So that's four straight defeats. Uh, for uh, Konoski, two to Alanius, one to uh, uh, Demerzin, and uh, now one to Kusumano. So he's just kind of slowly working his way down. As you said, he should probably retire here. Um, Kusumano can continue, but honestly, this was a very entertaining heavyweight fight. I wouldn't say fight of the year, anything like that, but it's definitely one of them honorable mention things. Uh, it did not fail to entertain whatsoever. Um, so uh, good on him for at least putting on a show for the fans. It, it was entertaining. Yeah, it was an entertaining scrap between two big lumps. Just going back one week, Andy, back onto the zone, onto the headliner. Um, not so entertaining. I thought it was okay. Regis Progre against Danilito Zorio. We've seen Zorio before. He's quite awkward. He's quite tall. He has different styles. Uh, I think he was getting the right hand in very well. Progre probably taking more risks, making mistakes and getting caught with shots. But that was no disrespect to Zorio. We saw against Arnold Barboza in the past. He can definitely land a shot and he can definitely punch a little bit. Wasn't the most entertaining of events to watch, but I did go back and watch it during the week. What did you make of Progre? Do you think he was just trying too hard? Do you think Zorio or Zorolita, whatever the hell you call him, was a little bit better than we thought? What was your overriding thoughts on that fight? Uh, it's just the poor, mate, to be fair. Um, I got kind of bored it, to be fair. Um, kind of like he's losing interest, but just thought his progress timing and his his range was was, was a bit off. It was, you know, he seemed to be kind of like doing a lot of fainting, um, try to draw stuff that wasn't coming really. The jab in air most of the night. You know, he couldn't really cut the ring off too well. Um, plus, I thought I don't know what you guys think. Would you would you agree that that was maybe a knockdown in the first round that should have been counting against? Oh, definitely, him? absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So again. Fans, I, I thought the fans are put to sleep and that wasn't too far behind them, to be fair, mate. And that's me being kind. I actually kind of like, kind of had too much more because I've kind of like totally forgot about the fight, other than the fact is it was, as I say, his first five rounds, I was really starting to lose interest after that. Um, poor, just poor performance. Maybe it was, I mean, we weren't expecting him to do better because I, I'd seen that Zorello as well. He's, he was kind of awkward, uh, awkward style and that. And I would have thought he would maybe have come and had a wee bit more of a go. Um, don't know about the scorecards at the end of the day and that as well. I mean, they're just way out of whack, actually, the two, uh, the three of them, actually, as well. Um, so, yeah, it could be just one of those situations that Progress maybe just kind of, like, you know, took his eye off the ball. Maybe he's looking at, at bigger fights or whatever. But I just think we're moving across and that, finally get himself a bigish promoter and there you know, was a chance to shine. Didn't really kind of, you know, step up, step it up, shall we say. So, um, it was just poor. It's a poor performance. MB says, I thought Zaria won the fight. Um, I'm not really sure. I suppose, Rob, do we just chalk this one down to experience and just say he got the win, he's got the title, he's number one in Boxerec now. Not really sure what they're going to do with him next, but just kind of move on and hope he doesn't sign with anybody else before his next fight. Who are we talking about now? Uh, Reese Progre. Oh, Progre, yeah, yeah. Eddie having a bit of a mare, like, isn't he? Went to his hometown, said there was going to be like 6,000 there. They were like fucking, I think, giving away comps all week. Not that I give a flying fuck about any of that. Like, I just want to see good fights. I couldn't care less what network they're on. Like, uh, Progre, highly rate him, but struggle. Like, maybe struggling with the 
he's not a star, isn't he? That's progress kind of downfall. Like he's not a star. He's one of the best fighters in the division, but he doesn't put asses in seats. And he's not a fighter that people particularly want to run to, although maybe he'll have a couple of guys rubbing their hands after that. Still probably one of the best 140 pounders in the world, but um a long way to go after that performance to say that he'd have an easy time with like Satya Fimo. Um I don't know about him versus Tank. I don't think that's even ever going to happen. So I don't really know what way that 140 division is going to shake up, but I don't see him leading the way somehow and having the spotlight on him after that. Um, and it's just like, who's he going to fucking fight? Like, who's he going to get him to fight? Like, um, Haney is the name that, that they they keep bringing up. They're, yeah, but like Eddie signed him to, 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 with, on the promise like that he's going to fight Haney, but they, they seem to, Haney seemed to have not really wanted, they want to do with him. Look like they're going with top rank, don't they, for the next three fights. So, that's going to hit him frozen out again. Like so, I don't know. Like how do how do you make a cross promotional fight or something for him? I don't know. But he's a very, he's a very good fighter, but he looked like he had an off night that night. I suppose that's the best way to sum it up. Like, yeah, I think Matty looking at the options, they talk about Haney, but obviously, I don't know. I think he'd be looking at other things. Top rank aren't going to throw him over the street. I wouldn't have thought they'll be wanting to make that on that platform. And then why is he signed with Eddie in that point? Uh, number one contender is Sandor Martin, who's a very capable fighter, very difficult to look good against, two southpaws as well. Because you imagine him and Progre, that'd be a, a difficult watch. A Barbosa's with top rank. Josh Taylor's just lost. He's also with top rank. Gary Antoine Russell's with the PBC. Ramirez is with top rank. You know, there just doesn't... I don't see a lot of options. Richardson Hitchens, he's ranked highly with the IBF. But uh, the I WBC. imagine they'll, they'll get the Perro fight off, the, off next, would be my guess, since that was the plan originally and Perro got injured. All right, okay. Has Paro uh, dropped out the ratings in the meantime? Because I'm looking up and trying to find him here. I'm desperately trying to find Paro. I, think he, I thought he was an interim titleist or something like that, so it might be listed differently as far as that. Fair enough. What about Progre's performance? Was it to do with Zaria being a little bit more awkward and Progre being at home? Possibly He's not a draw, that, is he? I mean, that, he's is, not a, you know. that is not Danilito Zaria's style. That is not the way he fights. Seen him against Barboza, seen him yeah. in a few other ones. He comes Normally, forward, doesn't he? Yeah. Yep, comes forward, yeah. throws, decent puncher. Um and crouched he, a bit in that and, as well, and, didn't he do it? Yeah, and he uh and he just used really rudimentary footwork. I'd say he probably has good foot speed um in, in general, just just to keep on the outside and, and keep the work rate down. Steve, they combined for 84 landed punches in this fight, 42 apiece breaking the record for the least amount of shots landed in a 12-round championship fight uh, tracked by CompuBox. Um, that was formerly held by Casemiro and Rigando. So they've got that going for him now, which is nice. Um, it, it was just absolutely pathetic. And yeah, that knockdown could have been called in the first, but he kind of bum-rushed it a little bit and, and, and kind of harmed his own uh, uh, claim for that knockdown. Uh, the one that Progre claimed was clean. Uh, it was just really disappointing, though. Um, Progray just insisted on sticking behind that jab as Rio was moving to Progray's lead hand. I don't know why he didn't throw more straight, hard lead lefts. Um, he usually has a pretty good boxing IQ. I, I think it just wasn't what he trained for, and, and he could not make the adjustments. And, uh, you know, as much as people might say, yeah, I think Zaria won that fight. When you when you're I don't if you're dead even with the champion you got one knockdown against you at the end of the day fucking I'm not going to go to bat for you if all you could produce is 42 landed punches even if you if there is a claim that you might have you, there's not enough in there for me to for me to give a shit if you didn't give a shit enough to try I don't give a shit enough to make a claim that you won the fight. 
Well said, Mate. Matt Butter saying Pro Grey expected a shootout. I think I think he did as well. Didn't realise that the CompuBox numbers were as low as Matty explained to us there, making Jan Bartholomew look like Johnny Tapia. Output. <laughs> he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to let the hands go a bit more. But maybe it was a Styles make fight situation. I'll be interested to see what Eddie does with him next. Maybe if Eddie himself even knows. Uh, who knows? Over to Minneapolis, Matty. We'll stick with you on this one on Showtime. Carlos Adames, uh, 22 1 going in with a ninth round stoppage over Julian J. Rock Williams. Uh, the bread man wasn't happy about the stoppage at the end. He was raging. Uh, Adames had his way with Williams in the fourth round, really put some hurt on him. Williams came back and had some moments, actually. He fought at distance. I thought he would have been better off on the chest, letting the hooks go a bit of a safer distance for him. In the ninth round, he was definitely hurt. I think we can all agree about that. Uh, but Breadman wasn't happy about the stoppage. It's always a bad look for the referee, I think, when the fighter who gets stopped throws a punch as or after <laughs> yeah. he's getting stopped, you know. So maybe yeah. maybe there's a bit of uh, we we can agree with the Breadman on this one, perhaps. Well, and I think what the way he went off and he went specific about and he said this is how it always happens, it always goes to the side to the A side, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And he called out boxing as it is been really suffering from a lot of this bullshit lately um and and robbing us of some good fights you know Thomas is not necessarily a good fighter in the championship rounds throwing all those punches j-rock could have gotten out of that round um he, he might have been able to do some uh damage to a what might have been a very diminished uh adamas uh in those later rounds but i mean we'll never find out um j-rock uh, not committing to ever fighting again and echoing kind of what uh bread man's uh opinion was on that they just uh hard to get a fair shake and i you know and, and the judges scorecards were off too steve do you know that one of the judges had it a shutout for yeah, carlos 80, 80 72 yeah very inexperienced george i thought that was a disgrace yeah it's um it's really a struggle, and I feel for J-Rock. He's, he's a good fighter. People didn't give him much of a chance going in there, and I thought that he held his own. I, I thought that it was somewhere, uh, you know, scoring through the eighth. I thought it was somewhere from a, an even fight up to maybe uh, you could get to, like, uh, maybe uh, six rounds uh, to, to two for uh, Adamus, but that would have been a, a little bit of a stretch even. I thought I thought it was reasonably close. Um, and it's just a shame that it ruined what was a really entertaining fight, Steve. I was enjoying the hell out of it. They were both landing good shots. It was one of the uh, better fights in recent memory when it came to exchanges of body punches and the guys really leaning in and digging those shots. Um, I, I was thoroughly, thoroughly entertained by the fight and just disappointed by the ref. Then you hear this, what the scorecards were at the end. I'm also disappointed in the judges. Um, it just uh, seems to keep going like this. It, it is, um, it, it kind of is what it is um, at, at the end of the day. Um, I guess we choose to watch it and we, we choose to take part in this fucking charade, but um, it, you know, still nonetheless entertaining, feel bad for J rock. Um, but Adamus is a good fighter. Can't hold it against him that the, the ref still stepped in like that. Um, he had that loss to Teixeira and he's learned how to step on the gas since then. Uh, he's become a better body puncher, uh, throwing good looks from both set stances. Um, and I'm excited to see what fights he might be in uh, here uh, coming up because uh, he, he definitely is a, a, a high-quality fighter, and there's some decent fights for him out there. So we'll, we'll see what's next for him, and, and um, we'll see what's next for J-Rock too. I think he proved that he still has something in the tank. 
Yeah, I think Breadman's comments about he may never fight again. J-Rock was a bit less committed. I think it was more hypothetical from Breadman. He was like, you know, he, he might never fight again. He's 33. He's on the back end of his career. We can all agree. This could be the last time he was in the ring and this is what you've done to him. Uh, one feature I do like, Matty, from Showtime is that trainer tracks. Far from the Sky Sports apologising every five seconds. Right at the end, they did the trainer tracks whenever the referee jumped in and finished the fight. They had a mic straight into the ring and you heard Bob Santos picking up Adamas and going, yeah, yeah, fuck you, talking all that fucking shit on Instagram. <laughs> I thought that was quite a good catch. <laughs> oh, man, it was just straight fucked up, man. It, uh, it, it, I, uh, what I like that they, they're catching a lot of that stuff in between. The trainer tracks is really good, Steve. There's some there's some nice wisdom in there and things of that nature. Um, but my favorite trainer track, uh, we, we didn't even need him in the corner. It was just uh, Breadman following the ref around the ring saying, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> that, was, that was great. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he is a fucking asshole. You fucking tell him. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it just goes to show you never know uh, what the referee is going to do. Even the experienced ones, like Mark Nelson's been around for a long time. Very good referee in general, but I think he made the wrong decision. Although, although to be fair, Williams was hurt and he was being battered about the ring, but I th- felt he should have been allowed to, to carry on. There, there was a bit of a suspicious stoppage on the undercard. I say suspicious, a bit of a dubious stoppage uh, between Arias and Lubin. We'll talk about that shortly. Matt Butters is... Um, is uh, he, he can't believe the scores here. So shut out for Adames. Williams won at least three or four rounds. Yes, one of the referee, one of the uh, judges uh, rather had it 80 72. The other two off the top of my head had it 78 74 and 77 74 in favor of Adames when the fight was stopped. Andy, I don't know how much you saw of this one, but just looking over the career of Julian Williams, I mentioned Bob Santos there slating him at the end, talking shit on Instagram. He has always been a bit of a shit talker, Williams. I remember when he fought Jamal Charlo, both undefeated in 2016, both put their undefeated records on the line. He talked a lot of shit, and when Charlo knocked him out in the fifth round, he refused to go over and sort of (laughs) speak to uh, Williams. He said, because he had talked so much shit in the build-up, he had a majority decision win over Nathaniel Gallimore, who's not the easiest guy to defeat. And then he had that win over Jarrett Hurd. Really good performance. Hurd was undefeated. The absolute monster. He'd beaten Tony Harrison. He'd beaten Islandi Lara. Williams was really, really good that night. Got the game plan down to a T. Then he lost to Rosario. Looked terrible against Vladimir Hernandez. Now he's lost to Adames. He always gives his all. Always gives a good account of himself. But I get a bit of a George Cambosos vibe. Was the Hurd win over his body of evidence of his career? That one shining moment. And apart from that, he's always been a bit of a bridesmaid. Yeah, I suppose it's a fair analogy to be fair, mate. I mean, he had these moments during the fight, didn't he? It was at the third round, I think it was. He had yeah. um, he came def- back strong, Andy, from every yeah. bigger Adamas round. I felt. Yeah, no, and you know, Adamas was definitely rocked. And to be fair about Adamas, I mean, he's he's he's, he's solid, man. He's and he's going to be a hard fight for anybody. But he has he is defensively, he has got holes. Um, I think if 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 J Rock was maybe a wee bit more kind of towards maybe the the hard fight, shall we say, in terms of like Peaky's powers, not been out the ring for you know for long periods, it might it might another different might maybe won that fight, but he was he was also when he was in the pocket and that he was taking a lot of body punishment in that as well. I think Adamas was really working the body pretty well. Some of it probably I wouldn't say I was definitely borderline, definitely running about the running about the waistband some of those body shots, but it was it was telling the kind of back you know, the kind of back half of the fight that uh, I didn't think that no so much Williams have always obviously slowing them. I did think it'd be but Adamas is maybe slightly slowing down in that as well. But ultimately, you know, the, the guy is the guy's a beast, and it's, you know he go. To be fair, I think that we can all moan about the stoppage. I just also believe that it was going to go one way, and 
sounds bad for saying all this because obviously we, we shit on Jack Reese for that pathetic stoppage the other, the other week there, and then obviously he had the the Roley fight. Um, it was it was slightly punching back, so I would say Williams, but it was a bit a weak fable jab. You could have maybe let it go on a round or so to see if he's going to get himself back in there, but he was by that point starting starting to take a bit of a beating. Um, so yeah, look, I don't know. You know the, the, the end of the day, he, he knows himself what was happening during the fight. He had his moments in the fight. I just don't think there was it was few and far between to be fair. Um, it was lacking a wee bit as well. Um, so. Doesn't make doesn't make it right. I, I still think he could have went on a wee bit longer, but I think the right was definitely on the wall. I think um, Adamez would definitely go to him in the next next round or two, possibly, because the the punishment was starting to kind of to, starting to add up. He had that bad swelling under the eye and that as well. Who knows what could have might have happened after we saw what happened on the on the on the undercard. What happens to swellings that sometimes can absolutely burst open. Jesus Christ, that was that was that was horrific. So yeah, look, Williams might might. Get another shot off the back of it, but I think to be fair, mate, it's a bit like hard than that. He's, he's, his peak's been and gone, and it's it's new journeyman status, I think, unfortunately for him. Um, so I don't think he wants to keep keep continuing in, in, in that regard. But um, he's, he's he's always been a good fighter, but he just, would you say, just just that moment in the sun, and now it's just, would you say, what was it you said? The bridesmaid, basically, always, mm-hmm. always the bridesmaid, no, the bride. Yeah, always the boys made, never the bride. Uh, See, just Rob. going yeah, in go the ahead. past here, I, I, it's a shame that J Rock never fought Tony Harrison. If you look at all that talent that PBC had at one fifty four, that would have been a good fight. Would have been J Rock and Tony Harrison. That would have been a good fight, actually, Andy. I think I can just see Harrison, uh, first eight or nine rounds, not sweeping them, but definitely getting his nose in front. And then as his gas da- tank inevitably diminishes. Williams, to be fair to him, he's always been tough and had a decent gas tank, and you could see him coming yeah. on late in that fight. Um, yeah, it would have been a good scrap. It would have been a good scrap. I, I mean, yeah, it's probably one of the one of the fifty-four fights that got away for us because obviously there was a period the PBC were putting on all the you know those those title fights, you know, Charlo, Hard guys of that ilk. Uh, it's just a shame. And the thing is, the build up to the fight would have been pretty epic in that as well because Harrison was never shy of kind of letting the tongue slide a wee bit in that as well. So yeah, that would have been a good build up. Suppose they both had their chances. Harrison beat Charlo, then he lost to Charlo. Um, Williams beat Hurd, but then he lost to Rosario, who That's eventually true. fought Charlo. So if the Charlo two of them had kept on winning, they would have fought each other. It would have, it would have happened at some point, I think, because Rosario then he had the second loss, didn't he? I forget who against at this point. One was always on the highway, the other was on the frontage road. Yeah, right. Exactly, absolutely. Yeah, Rosario showed himself to be a very decent puncher against Williams, and then I think he, went the to, body, though. he was. He got stopped after Charlo by Ericsson Lubin, I think it was. That's the one. And then he got yeah. Ericsson Lubin. You know, he took an L against Fandora, who's also now been beat, and uh, yeah. he's come back off that as well, looking looking pretty pretty solid. The thing about Lubin, I think Lubin's always been a a, a good fighter. I just think again another one who's a uh, might just kind of you know a wee bit like a wee bit like Williams if he can just get the right opportunity maybe pick up a belt but again might be that other bridesmaid type comment possibly as well in terms of in terms of Lubin but he has a good fight and he has good decent power about him. Mm-hmm. Just on Lubin, Robbie fought on the undercard against Arias. Arias is such so hit and miss. I saw him getting outboxed by Luke Keeler in the Fela one year. I mean that's the that's the kind of levels he was at and fought against Danny Jacobs, another bit of a shit talker. As for Lubin, Rob, it wasn't so long ago he was an 18-year-old prospect. The Hammer, very well-skilled, well-schooled, big puncher, got annihilated by Charlo, but built his way back. No shame to the way he lost to Fundora, who absolutely rearranged his face. As Andy said, things in boxing can move very quickly. Look at Fundora now losing to Mendoza. Lubin's beaten Arias. He's back in the frame. He's a good boxer. He can punch. He's just a bit fundamentally flawed, maybe, for the top-level Lubin. 
Yeah, and it's mad the way the um, things change so quickly because J Rock, Jared Hurd, um, those guys, Lubin were leading the leading the way, um, taking over from the kind of fucking uh, Lars and Austin Trouts and that way along the way, like so shit can just change. Like I think the pandemic held up a lot of fighters' prospects. Mm-hmm. There were all, obviously poss- a lot of them were on big promises for big paydays. All that went away. You know, massive training costs and things like that. And you know, fellas didn't get sh- can't stay sharp without activity. So I think that that two year period kind of put the skids on a lot of kind of potential stars that we saw that kind of seemed to have kind of gone over old overnight. You know what I mean? They kind of had a year building back to get to where they wanted to. And I think he kind of falls into that category. Like so, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to it's always hard to to assess the landscape properly with these guys because they're all on different networks and everything. But I think Lubin kind of gives anybody a, a decent fight still, but yeah, probably not. He's not going to be like the, the face of boxing, put it that way. No. A quick word on Adames Williams in the main event, Rob. Bit of a crossroads fight. Williams gave his all, but Adames, I don't think he's the best fighter in the world. He's the WBC interim champion because Charlo has been like champion in retard for the last two <laughs> years. Uh, Adames, he's going to be a good, solid fighter. Only the one loss, but uh, too much for Williams at this stage of his career. Yeah, I I just yeah, it was I, I I wasn't mad on the fight to be honest with you. I just didn't give a shit about it one way. <laughs> that was just it. Like it just wasn't fucking floating my boat whatsoever. Like I'm firmly focused on Bud Crawford or his in five weeks, right? I want fucking nobody to pop hot, nobody to get injured, no Earl Spence not to take any wheeled vehicles transport, right? I just want that fight to happen, and I couldn't right. give a shit about Bud, these kind Bud of fights. playing any any street games, gambling, or yeah. anything like that. Stay away no from that. No, right? don't go to. The, don't let Bud Crawford go to the mechanics, and don't let Aris Banks get in the car. Right? We just want this fucking fight to happen. Yeah, you know, Rob, you're gonna try to plan everything you can, and I bet they're thinking the same thing. And you know what's gonna happen? Errol Spence is gonna get run over by a rickshaw. Yeah. Right. Well, he's got a horse anyway. <laughs> I'm with Rob on that, though. I don't want to go too deep on it because we'll have our say, but I'm really worried about Spence, like an eye injury or something. I just just hope not to God. Yeah, he's been fragile over recent years. Don't forget, not just the injury, the car accident, but the Pacquiao fight as well. He, that fell through because of his eyes. And yeah, I don't know, man, just stay safe. Off, Get an oh, Uber. Oh, and Rob, <laughs> I, I got this video. It's a shame you're not in the Nutters group, uh, but Joe Kennedy shared it with us, and it was video of Terrence Crawford sparring Carlos Adamas a few years ago and just sitting in the pocket. Oh, my God, Robert. Pushing back a fucking middleweight. It, I mean that that was some brutal shit in there. Good sparring too. I mean Adamus was was getting his, his shots in as well. Um, but I mean Crawford. It just further proof this guy's on a different fucking planet. I think. Well, we'll see on July the 29th. We'll talk about that as the uh, fight uh, reaches yeah, well, us. Here, here I am saying that when Errol Spence has been the only one sent into orbit. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see, Matty. Uh, anyway, uh, on to the undercard, the final one. Well matched fight again, Andy Fernando Martinez, Argentine fighter. I don't usually go down as far as the flyweights, but I like this guy. A couple of wins over Jerwin and Kayas, who also got a victory on the undercard. Caleb Truax losing a 10 rounder to 6 2 and 1 Burley Brooks. I think uh, Truax's run is well and truly over. Anyway, I digress, Andy Fernando Daniel Martinez. With an 11th round TKO over Jade Bornier. Jade can't, clearly. 18 and 1 now with 12 KOs. Tell you what, the little Filipino was a decent enough fighter. He put his shots together well, good body shots. But then in, I think it was the 9th or the 10th, 
He got hit with a shot to the ear. His ear exploded blood all over the Showtime camera. And from that point onwards, he was a hard little bastard. He tried. I think it was the ninth round. Got to the 11th. And the referee says, look, man, that ear, no, you're going to have to stop this. It must have been, it must have been painful. Cause I don't know if you've seen the, the video in the corner like the, the, after, after it happened. They're literally like inside the ear flapping. He's trying, he's trying to put a Q-tip in there. I mean, a Q-tip, you, need, you need a tampon, mate, to stop that stuff. You know, gee, that was, it was huge. I tell you, the last time I seen an ear like that, I remember, I remember it happened to Kevin Mitchell when he fought John Murray, and uh, he had to go and, and get it drained. And they, 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 they kind of slice oh. the ear and they put a couple of drainage, drainage plugs in it, right? So that's the ear, the, the blood yeah. kind of drain naturally. Vargas Stephen Smith, I was thinking of. Do you remember that Aye, one? I remember that, that one, aye. But I'm watching that last night and I'm saying to myself, look at the size of that again. And then, just after, as, as I say to myself, boom, and then, boom, Jesus <laughs> Christ. And then the instant pain, and obviously the, the referee's not giving a shit about it. He's like, you want to continue? You want to continue? The guy's like, what? Uh, yeah, what? <laughs> Jeez. So, I look, fair play to the guy. Like, that that Borne was aggressive very early doors and that, but that Martinez, man, he's um, a decent boxing IQ. Again, another one who's maybe a bit, a bit slack in defence now, but he has shown he's got some good good uh, boxing IQ. Take a wee step back, give himself a wee bit of punching room. And one thing I was impressed with... puncher, man. He's mm. aye, but his feet... See his feet? See when he moves? He's always he's always on balance to, you know, yeah. to, to, to show punches back or maybe a three-punch combo if he's got to do it off the back foot. He's always in position to punch. Solid, stocky fighter. And his back looks like a landing deck in an aircraft carrier. Plus, he, he's, he's got a bit of engine about him. He can dig a bit. Obviously, the left hook's a bit, a bit evil. He's picking off a couple of good wins in that now as well. So, and he's wanting unification fights next. So, it's only a good thing. But definitely a hard fighter. This is um, that uh, Borne and that. Fair play to him in that as well. Took as much as what he could. Um, it's just a shame in the end. As you say, the referee's like, dude, dude your, your ear's hanging off here. Uh, lesser guys with the with the to quit on the spot. So fair play to him, man. That was that was that was lethal. Well, what I like about Martinez too is the fact that when that ear got busted up and the ref was asked him, "Can you continue?" He's like, "Hey, I'm fine." And then I mean, Martinez just came in and just started busting up on Borneo. Like he smelled, he he you know he literally yeah. saw blood and he was on it. He's got a great killer instinct about him. Uh, you know, just another one of these fantastic Argentine fighters who just kind of come out of nowhere. And uh, it, you got to look at him probably as a top five fighter at 115 pounds. But honestly, what blows me away when I'm looking through some of these pound-for-pound uh, pound rankings and the divisional rankings is if you put 115 and 112 pounds together, that is an unbelievable stack of fucking talent right there. I mean, it, it is all, almost not right how many different fights can be made down there and Mar and uh, Martinez fits well in there with any of them. I, I can't say I would assuredly count him out against any particular fighter. And I think with his work rate, and as Andy said, his, his solid feet, uh, he's, he's always in position to punch. Um, I, I think uh, an older, uh, not as fleet of foot uh, Roman Gonzalez would potentially struggle with this guy. Um, uh, Estrada would be, be a hell of an interesting fight with him. Uh, there, there's just a lot, a lot of interesting fights that could be made. It's just a shame. Uh, the one place you got to give DAZN credit is that these lower weights, they seem to have the stack, the talent. This is one place where being PBC is a little bit of a liability for a guy trying to make a name. 
Yeah, I think he makes a yeah he makes a good point there, Andy. He I don't know whether he's aligned to the PBC, but he's had his last three fights on there. Now yeah. he's got the IBF title. Ioka, as we saw on Saturday night, has the WBA. He dropped the WBO, which was won by Nakatani against Maloney. He's going to be a handful for anyone that Nakatani, and then Estrada on the zone. You could see Martinez if he's maybe not tied up to the PBC. Going over and fighting well, the likes of Ioka and Nakatani maybe a bit quicker than fighting Estrada. I was going to just say once Marty finished there that, that that is the fight that I want to see Martinez in next is, is, is Nakatani. That's got violence written all over it. Um, I didn't see the Ioka fight after after the carry on with Franco and you know, the weight it clearly was an issue before he even flew over to Japan. So I sacked that off. Um, I'm not surprised Ioka. I had picked him to win by decision anyway. The reason why I want to see Nakatani because I don't know what Ioka's going want to do. I don't know if he's going to plan to move weight, maybe try and get the um, the new fight if he's successful. Um, sorry, uh, Taiku Menue, sorry, at, at one eighteen. Estrada and Rodriguez. Rodriguez is signed to fight Sonny Edwards, so I think he still holds the belt at one fifteen, but he's coming back down at one twelve for the Edwards fight. Um, so yeah, um, Nakatani would be absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm just looking. Matty's right though. I mean, if he can, if he can go back to like the old eight divisions and that, see like fair like one fifteen to one hundred eight. I mean, it's just dripping what? with fucking talent, man. It's just dripping with. Well, well, check this out. So uh, at one at one fifteen, obviously Estrada is lineal, and then so uh, right behind him, the top ten uh, is Gonzalez, Ioki, Nakatani, Franco, who is going to be exiting, obviously, uh, Martinez, Tanaka, Rungvasai. Uh, Rodriguez Jr., David Cuellar, and Maloney is obviously going to drop off. I think they'll be changing that up. But, I mean, if you just look at their uh, – I mean, I just obviously – Martinez on up to Estrada, those five fighters, What I mean, what a freaking lineup there. And then when you go down to uh, flyweight, uh, you're looking at uh, the fighters there. Uh, obviously, champion is vacant there. Sonny Edwards at one. I think that that's going to be short-lived. Uh, then you got, got Alvarado uh, kicking about at flyweight as well. He's uh, another one who could be dangerous. Julio Cesar Martinez, Delacayan, uh, Rodriguez. Uh, Jimenez, he's a decent enough fighter. And this is a guy I haven't seen fight. I swear I've seen him. Angel Ayala Lardizabal. I swear I've seen him on something, but I can't. And they have him at five, so might have to go look at him. David Sandoval. H- mm-hmm. he... No, la- no, la- no Lardizabal. Angel Ayala Lardisebo. He saw him working in Burger King, didn't you, Matt? That's always possible. Uh, David Jimenez is their sixth-ranked fighter, and Jimenez is a fantastic little fighter. Right behind him is Sandoval. Those two have fought. Sandoval uh, racked up, I think, another stoppage victory in the last couple weeks. Alvarado right behind him. Um, and then the two behind him, Rosales and Akoy, uh, not too familiar with those guys. That but I mean, guy you mentioned, Matt, he's a Mexican. He's, he's actually got a win over Christopher Rosales. Do you remember him to beat Paddy Barnes? Oh, yes. Beat him last year. Interesting. And he's just kind of shoved in there. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe he's a golden boy fighter. Or 23 year old. But um, it, but I mean, you take those those divisions and put them together. I mean, that's unbelievable. And there's not a single one of those fights that I wouldn't like to see. I mean, and, and at 112, going up all the way to Jimenez and Sandoval. Um, Jimenez and Sandoval had a very close fight that could have gone either way, and then Jimenez had a very close fight with Dalakayan, which could have gone either way. So you're talking very competitive all the way up to seven eighth ranking in, in out at uh, 112 at uh, 112 at the very least. It's a, a hell of a good couple of divisions. There, love watching it, and Rob has missed out by ignoring these little people. I, I just think he's had bad experiences with midgets. There's something that he's put off about. 
And it, but it's he okay. He dropped a bag of midget gems when he was a toddler. To fake I like them. I know, I think they're a great bunch of lads. The midgets are nothing against them. Yeah. We're bolting, we're bombing. <laughs> Far away, are they? <laughs> I think um, uh, Ioka, yeah, Ioka boxed well against Franco. MB saying that Franco is retired now. Ioka did all the right things, just threw a few jabs. Um, well, he threw a lot of jabs, actually. Nice uppercuts, just got the distance. Um down to a T. Uh, Rob, actually, while you're back with us, I was going to mention one thing, actually, just quickly switching back to Lubin. Matt Butters was talking about the stoppage. He said, I think when you leave getting up at the counter nine, uh, till nine, you're really chancing it with the ref. And Johnny says getting up at nine and a half is like soft quitting. I, I think that was stupid from Arias, leaving it so late. But the referee's got to get to 10 for my liking. He definitely waved it off at nine. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's easy. It's kind of easy for fellas to say that when they're not the ones having to fucking get up, you know what I mean? Like, it's fucking... Sometimes you can see fellas watching it and they, they, it looks like a kind of a safe face or whatever. Boxing is very much that type of sport, isn't it? You don't get... Like, it's not like UFC where fellas just tap on the shoulder and go, right, that's enough, I like, quit, like, where it's an accepted part of the sport. Box Quitting is not accepted in boxing, really, like, by the fans or the, the fighters themselves or the coaches, so... Sometimes the fellas, fellas are selling wolf tickets and they're, they're chancing it a little bit and they're waiting on the nine so they can look like they want to get up. We've seen that time and time again, but like the ref has to make the assessment if he's fit enough to continue. Like whether he, you know, if it's like a millisecond or a half a second or whatever on the ten count, you might see common sense kind of prevailing. We've seen that before from referees. It's a ten count, not a ten second count. So I don't know. Like I don't know. I can't, I can't really say like say definitively if it's a soft quit or not. Like I think it's. He's just said it on when you get the shit better. You know, like, mm. Yep. Malik Scott had a better argument than Arius, I think. Oh, he was the he was the king of Malik, Malik Scott. The, the the slow the slow count or the fall over, wasn't he? I suppose. But um... no, I mean when he got up against Chisora, that knockdown against the ropes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, right. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he was he was up definitely, and and I think Arius had an argument that he was up too, but I think he cut it a little bit too close, man. He was. As raw, you know, it's uh, you kind of hitting the snooze button in the boxing ring. Except it's not five more minutes. It's like ah, just give me one yeah. more second, ref. Um, and didn't uh, didn't pan for him. Yeah, and he hadn't done much to that point, I suppose. Matty suggests that he was even in the fight. I know it was only five rounds in, but he barely landed a meaningful shot. No, it wasn't a tremendously um, competitive fight, and and I don't think he has the steam on his shots to necessarily um, do to Lubin what uh, Charlo or Fundora was able to do to him. So, um, yeah, it was uh, maybe just delaying the inevitable, but it would be nice to see Lubin actually take him out because I, I think Lubin's power is just a little bit overstated. I mean, because you got to think that when he dropped Fundora, I mean, he landed that left hand clean as fucking as, as he could, and, and it didn't finish the job. Um, so... Absolutely. Uh, Matt Butter says, Ioka Franco was a great fight, very close, I thought, and every round was close, but Ioka was just doing that bit more to edge the rounds. I completely agree with that. Just before we go through the chat and see who's hanging around, Andy, I know you didn't see the Japanese card, but I want to give a shout out to Daigo Higa on the undercard. We've sort of followed his career before. He was absolutely dead at the weight when he got stopped by the aforementioned Christopher Rosales in 2018. Realised that uh, flyweight wasn't for him even though he had been a world champion down there. Moved up to bantamweight, didn't all go his own way. Just a couple of years ago, he lost to Ryosuko Nishida. I think he's flawed, and I think he will lose against the better guys, Andy. But his mm -hmm. style is very exciting. He can be in some really exciting fights. He's a compact power puncher, throws hard to the body as well. I know his opponent 
uh, on Saturday, this Sirachai Thayen, who's one of these Thai fighters, wasn't the best, couldn't take it to the body at all. But I think stylistically, Higa has maybe has something to offer us still yet, Andy. Yeah, and the thing is as well, I think that Thai fighter goes under the name of Knockout CP Freshmark for any of you guys that follow the Asian scene, but um, his own box like under his real name. But uh, that guy's ranked, I think, top four, top five of one of the bodies. So I'd imagine Higa new, new debuts in the. But uh, Bantamweight's WBA rankings. I can remember when he was obviously tipped as the next big thing. He was obviously one of the highest prospects coming through. And obviously he's running at Christopher Rosales, badly weight drained, looked awful on the scales. And uh, he's out the ring for two years, or almost two years. The Japanese board refused to let him fight at a... Even at super flyweight, they told him he got two weight divisions because it obviously the monitored his weight, it checked his weight, it checked his his diet and all that type of stuff, and it says that he had to go up two weight divisions. So imagine that. Imagine the British board coming out saying, like for example, you know, like, a fighter, pick whatever fight you want, can he make weight? He doesn't safely make middle weight, so it's you need up to late heavyweight, mate. Sorry, it's just wild. But yeah, he's he steadily progressed. Obviously, he had them. He did have another L on you know when he came back. People were questioning these. Not so much his mentality, whether he still had the hunger for it really. Um, against was it, was it Rishuki and Nisida? I think he lost a 12 round decision. Mm-hmm. He's come back. I kind of wrote him off after that, uh, to be fair, but he's, he's come back with a couple of two, you know, two decent ones. Come back with a knockout there. I said, I would be, I would be a bit surprised if he doesn't make the top 10, top 15 rankings by the end of next month. Uh, which if he is, I would be expecting that maybe, maybe they might try and plan the Ioka fight sometime, probably for Christmas or New Year. They could do. Hopefully, he's got plenty more to offer. One man who has plenty more to offer is uh, Tim Zhu. We'll be talking about him very shortly. Let's have a look through the chat. First of all, you are listening to episode 528. Uh, Matty's here. He's about to say something. Andy's here. Rob's here as well. Go on, Matthew. You should be silent no more. What, what, what's his motherfucking name? Tim <laughs> Zhu, motherfucker. <laughs> Tim Zhu. He's enjoying himself, his Tim Zoo. So are the chat boys. Cedric Sniff's in there. Good to see him. Des is here as well. He's got no time for fighters who miss weight. Uh, Jim McDonald has got plenty of time for them. Bosh. Matt Butters. Back in <laughs> uh, New Orleans. Moses is uh, enjoying himself in there. He seems to be enjoying himself anyway. Sad Ken. He's never enjoying himself. And uh, Mark Stanton's dropping a few one-liners. MB is here as well. So is Michael Thompson. That's Mikey T on patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. Uh, Johnny Horsecock Nelson, just known as Johnny these days. He's uh, dropped the rest of his pseudonym. M. Lithgow1983, shout out to him. Just scrolling up, see if we can see any new names. Haven't seen Take Aims tonight. No doubt he's hanging around somewhere. If you want a shout out, you better throw your name in quickly. Nothing for something. Uh, from the old Boxing Coalition days, shout out to the Boxing Coalition. They're no longer going, but we're still here, episode 528. Right, let's go on to Tim Zhu then for last weekend and a first round knockout. It doesn't mess about, does he, Zhu? If you're in against someone like Carlos Acampo, as we always say, they're overmatched. Get rid of them. He's been a slow starter in the past. He got knocked down by Terrell Gosher. This time he came firing out the blocks, destroyed Acampo. He defeated uh, Tony Harrison in his last fight. He's not hanging around. Jamal Charlo um, isn't able to fight. Jamal Charlo, whichever one it is, hasn't been able to fight him. So he's gone in against two a top contender, former champion in Harrison, against the Campo, blasted him out in a round. He got bitten by the dog, didn't hold him back whatsoever. I'm <laughs> starting like Tim Zhu, to be honest with you, Andrew. Yeah, it's, there's a lot to like about the guy. I mean, I like his attitude. He likes to stay active. Um, not much else you can ask, really. It's not his fault that, obviously, Charlo's no fighting or whatever reason. So he's got to do what he's got to do. But 
to be fair, there's not much you can say, but the but the fight other than that, he's just he's just took it the trash quickly, rapidly. I mean, the first right hand they landed, I think it was it really just totally changed the fight on its head. Um, and then the only the, the only gripe I could probably have really is he's he's really kind of trying to step in there after that right hand landed and tried to kind of take the guy straight out. And yeah. a lot of the punches were, were were missing. I think he just needs to refine that a little bit. I mean, obviously, if I was against Charlo. And he is winging, I mean, he was winging a loads of you know, wide shots and we're missing the target. If Charlo's able to time with just one of those shots in between and catches him with a hook, we're going to find out how good that chin is. But everything else, to be fair, it's, it's been it's been great to watch. Uh, the right hand toward the, was it the two minutes in it, or just heading into the second minute of the, the first round, that is put, just dumped him on his arse and then obviously just went in there and just finished the fight. Um, looked alike about it. It's just new, really. He's it's all about improving the if he if he's if he's world level really. I mean, he's, he's proven that he's world level contender. It's new, really, if he can take the gold, and then if he can take the gold, it's all about defending it. But what I've got to say is, the camp, the way Campo ran away for that with that first knockdown, and he he kind of like pivots and turns, and the head is like chin, his chins in the air, airing out. A fucking seagull could have come down and picked that chin right out of the air, man. Fuck me, and he gets, he gets caught with the left hook. Didn't know what happened. Or right into the ropes, folded, absolutely dominated. Um, so, yeah, look, it's what you want. You didn't want to have him fighting like a 12-round war, taking prime years off him and getting cut and maybe getting injured again and potentially postponing the fight even longer. He's got it done quick. And things like that keep people interested, get them talking, think, oh, he's, he's going to do it to Charlo, so... Charles could be out the ring for a while, he's got problems and all this, that next thing. So it adds a wee bit extra dimension of potential um you know drama to the fight. Can Zoo now now turn it up? Um it's gonna be interesting to see. Um but I just want to see him refine the finishers a wee bit. Once he gets the fighter on the hook, just take your time because as I say at, at the elite level he could get picked off easily. Um just to be, just a personal wee gripe in that, but other than that, it's all it's all looking good so far. Yeah, I think it's a great fight, Matty, and it's just getting better with these wins that he's posting in between, actually. The fact Charlo got injured, strangely enough, and has given you this chance to have these two fights in between uh, makes it even more mouth-watering. Des says you need to step up and travel now. I think he absolutely will, 100%. He went over before, as I mentioned, on Showtime and Fort Gosha. Didn't get off to the best of starts, fought his way back into the fight. He's made his American debut. He's introduced himself to them. He's kept himself active and busy, busy with a couple of back-to-back knockouts. He's actively, he's openly said that he'll go to America. He knows Charlo's the undisputed champion and he has to do that. And he called him out on the mic afterwards. I want to fight you in October in America. I think he's happy to travel. I think he'll give him a good fight. I don't think he'll win, but I think it's a lot closer now given these two fights. And I think it's a cracker and I think he will go there and fight him there, Matto. I think he will win. I, I think this inactivity of Charlo's going to catch up with him. If he's recovering from a hand injury. That's a big deal if you're a fighter. Um, and, and Zoo is just gaining more and more confidence um, as this goes. And he's beating decent fighters. Uh, he, he truly is. Um, I, I see him surging and confident. And I, I'm, I'm truly excited if they actually make this fight. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, Charlo is, um, could get injured again, could think of another excuse, whatever. Because... Um, what I'd really like to see, uh, you know, regardless of when, who wins between Charlo and Zoo, is I'd like to see whoever wins between Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence, whether they do one or two fights, uh, you know, if someone takes both of them, uh, 
move up and, and, and take them on. And I, I think of that person as Terrence Crawford. And I pose this question. I don't want to move everything from you, Steve, but I pose this question to the Nutters is if Terrence Crawford could beat Errol Spence and move off to 154 and take out Charlo or Zoo and become the undisputed at 154 pounds too, would that me make him on you know the list of greatest fighters of all time? Would he eclipse Mayweather's position? I think that's a really interesting uh, conversation to Jeff have. Jeff Mayweather? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Uncle Roger. <laughs> Uncle Roger, exactly. Floyd Senior. It's an interesting question. We'll get back to it at some point. Uh, Rob, just sticking to the CU Charlo situation. I think, <laughs> I think uh, Charlo's uh, patience, I think he showed a lot in the Castano rematch, uh, the jab, the right hand. He will uh, catch you if he over-exuberates himself. I see it being one of those... Exuberates himself, Steve. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. (laughs) Not to get too specific, but I see it one of those fights where Sue's a proper hard bastard. He's going to give Charlo a really tough fight. I just see Charlo maybe knocking him down a couple of times and catching him, and that maybe be the the difference in the fight on the scorecards. Very narrow scorecards. But I'll tell you what, I think it narrows each time. I really do think Sue is a tough guy. He can punch... He's not going to go down easily, and he's going to give Charlo all he can handle for as long as it lasts. Yeah, it's an intriguing fight because it's a big profile fight for Charlo as well. I think Charlo needs this fight as much as Tim Zoo, yeah. you know, that way. Yeah, Charlo has has kind of ha- like everyone knows he's a high level operator, he's kind of talked, he's kind of his persona is bigger than his resume, if that makes sense, even though he's an extremely talented guy. Um, I think you're right. I think, I think Charlo beats. Yeah, Tim Zoo. I think it'll be check hook season in there or uppercut season. I think Zoo is good. He's skilled. Uh, he can punch. He goes for the gusto, but and and he smashed Ocampo to bits. And I like the way he the finish. The finishing was relentless and ruthless as well. When he saw his opening, he absolutely took his fucking head off. And that's what you want. But I don't think he's going to be able to do anything next to near that to, to Charlo. I think he'd make him uncomfortable for a few rounds, and then when he finds his range, he'll start pinging the head off him. But it will be an interesting contest, and it's a big, big fight. It's a big interest fight. It's different clash of styles, different, you know, different hemispheres, the fucking lineage of Zoo. Is he going to, you know, step out of the, the, the father's shadows and become his own man and world-level world fighter in his own right? And Charlo, if he wins, is there big, big money fights for him? And we actually see him fight some decent opposition down this, the kind of twilight stage of his career. So I don't know. Like, I think Charlo really impressed me a couple of times. Sorry, where was Are you laughing at my? I'm sorry. I fucking thought I was on mute the chat. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Motherfucker. Carry on, Rob. Ignore the haters. Stay out, the, you, you stay, out a, a, stay out of the chat. It's a cesspool. I love these people. You've given up a complex, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What the fuck he was laughing at? I was like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Charlo's <laughs> not that bad. Like. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think Charlo has the edge on Zoom, but a really, really intriguing fight. And hopefully it'll be a fight that delivers and maybe you get to see it again. But I like both. I mean, I fucking hate... I don't give a shit about fighter personas these days. I don't even take them into account. But like, both the Charlo's, both the Charlo's are annoying as fuck and emotional, but... They're, they're both very good fighters too. Like so, um, but we need to see both of them in bigger profile fights going forward. Absolutely, yes. Charlo does have the edge, but it is only an edge. What have we got coming up next week? Let's have a look, shall we? 
What's on the agenda? Go on then, Matty. We'll let you have first digs over at the Manchester Arena. Ben Shalom, he's struggling a bit over on Boxer, isn't he, with all out his pals there. Zach Chelly on the undercard, Natasha Jonas going in for a world title. Didn't Chelly ben... withdraw? Um... Or was the other, or was the other, or did Hefron withdraw? Yeah, there was an the opponent withdraw, wasn't it? Yeah, he's fighting against Mark, Mark uh, Jeffers now. Boris Crichton, he's doing plenty of work. He's back against Callum Simpson. Uh, ben Whitaker as well. And in the main event, Savannah Marshall, last seen losing to the Gwot, is going against Franchon Cruz de Zern, who lost to the Gwot on her debut, no less. They were both debutants there. And what's going to happen here, Matty? What do, what do you foresee in your crystal ball between old Franchon and Savannah? I, I fancy Cruz de Zern. What's going to happen, Matty, as well? Not what you want to happen. So. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to unmute and quietly laugh at me in the background, Rob. My um, it was Adam Aziz fight that it fell through. <laughs> I um I'm really looking forward to this fight, Steve. And it's um when when we're looking at this era of women's boxing and uh, how important it's going to be uh, just in the history of the sport. This is a really pivotal fight in in the sport in, in some interesting ways here. Um, I I would definitely lean towards Savannah Marshall. Um, I, I, I think that uh, Cruz Desern is definitely the uh, the naturally bigger fighter in there, um, and but uh, she she's a good puncher, uh, but not the kind of puncher that Marshall is. But if you go back and you watch her fight with um, Elin Sidiros, I, I mean she busted her the hell up. Uh, she's got a good right hand. She could develop the left a bit more. Um, so we'll see what happens. I would just tend to think that the, the quality of Marshall is going to shine through on this one. Um, and the person who stepped aside for this fight to happen is Shadeja Green. And if you want to talk about the, the person in the division who could really blow things up, it's this woman, because she can absolutely punch. The aforementioned Diros, um, who went uh, 10 uh, really bloody rounds with Cruz Desern, um, she took her out in uh, five or six rounds recently. Uh, Shadeja Green is a wicked puncher. She's supposed to get the winner of this fight. Um, I would uh, prefer it to be Cruz Desern and see that because I think regardless of Savannah Marshall or Cruz Desern winning this, that they're just a placeholder for Shadeja Green, who's going to take this belt, which opens up the opportunity for Clarissa Shields to go to 168 pounds um, and try for the undisputed championship there against Shadeja Green. Uh, and that is, uh, when you're, when you talk about what could be a really big fight, um, in this era of women's boxing, it is going to be, uh, Clarissa Shields against Shadeja Green, uh, which, uh, I, I, God honestly could see the, the quote getting her first loss because, uh, I know you guys don't watch a lot, but man, Green, this bitch can bang. I, she, she swings for the fucking fences. Well, James G's getting involved in the women's boxing in the chats, Matty. He says, Cruz Desern is fucking useless. You do better sticking the gloves on a leper. Well, isn't he a nice gentleman? <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you on Shadeja Green. And I think that's what women's boxing needs, isn't it? I know Anne Wolfe was a banger. You need a woman who's going to go out there and beat the shit out of people. And I don't know whether she's been fighting tin cans. You can maybe indulge me better, but she's 12 and 0, 11 KOs, I think. Elbrook is a banger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Powerful oh, legs as well, apparently. <laughs> Down in the depths. <laughs> yeah, the, it's uh, yeah, an obvious yeah. It's and I mean to go with James's rude point. Yes, all signs point to um, to to uh, Marshall winning this fight. She is the much better fighter, but you know, uh, 
Fran Chartreuse dessert is just kind of just street tough, for lack of better words. And there's not a lot of women like that in boxing. And you will see some things like um, I, I don't know if this happened during our break. I think it might have uh, is you see, you know, Ron Ali come up against you know, a Somalian chick, come up against a gal who could really punch a bit and just get fucking flattened. She got um, iced, didn't she? <laughs> God damn. That was that was that was some good stuff there uh, during, during the break there. And why I'm struggling for opponent's name right now. I don't know. Uh, oh, but it it, uh, Miriam's was it Gutierrez or Gumarez or something? I can't, I can't remember. I think you might be right, uh, but that was uh, that was a fantastic uh, knockout in, in women's boxing. There, just to kind of retrace uh, a little bit here uh, from what we might have missed and what we didn't touch on. That was uh, if you're looking at uh, uh, at a, a, the women's knockout of the year at this point in time. I think you're going to have to go with. Uh, uh, you're going to have to go with this knockout of Ramla Ali because I mean, she just got absolutely fucking demolished uh, in, in this fight uh, by, there we go, uh, Yulisa Alejandra Guzman. That's what we were looking for, Steve. Ah, there. Uh, I she, wasn't she, really close, was I, to be honest? Yep, she she got knocked down in in the fifth round by a, uh, by a right hand, uh, and from that point on was just getting backed up. And then there was just a wicked exchange of left hooks where Ali did not have the firepower, got demolished. Um, and, and that's going to be your women's uh, knockout of the year, uh, barring something weird happening at this point in time. But back to, to the fight at hand. Um, again, sorry to, to go off on the side there. This is going to be a good fight. Um, let, let me make that that much clear. If you're looking for something entertaining, this is going to be a good fight. Um, a lot of these fights uh, in the women's division, I know people are disappointed with, but when it's been at the top upper echelons of the sport, the fights tend to deliver on an action, a competitiveness basis. This is going to be among them. So uh, don't balk at watching it if you're just eh, women's boxing. This is going to be a good fight uh, and, and one that I think you're going to be wishing it was three-minute rounds. Wish it was three-minute rounds. Michael Thompson says, Franchon Cruz, zone. Speaking of zone, Andy, next Saturday evening, Sheffield Arena. It's only really the main event that's any of interest. I'm looking down the undercard here. James Beach, Hopi Price, Pat McCormick against Tony Dixon. I remember Tony Dixon getting knocked out by Paddy Gallagher a few years ago. That That's shite, that undercard, to be honest. Main event's decent enough, though. Uh, Sam Maxwell going in for the British and Commonwealth title. A couple of fights ago, he was knocked out in Liverpool by Alejandro Meneses. He has got a win over Akeem Ennis-Brown, though, and I think he had that late sort of comeback win against somebody a few years ago. Going in against Dalton Smith, Andy, 14-0, 10 knockouts. Last seen defeating Billy Aylington, as wins over Casey Benjamin, Samo Mason. It's decent domestic fare. Apart from the uh, from the main event, not really that fussed. You see Smith being able to get Maxwell out of there, or is it a, a points banker for you, Andy? Oh, I hate to bring the heavy artillery with this car, damn it. Um... Yeah, I suppose it's all about, it's all about the main event. I mean, Pat McCormick, he's just still an emphasis pro career, isn't he? So he's not going to be anything any, any great at the minute. See, he's up, up to 10 rounds, though, as well. So that's interesting. But yeah, I think it's a question, but I think Smith got a wee bit of doing. I don't think he was great in his last fight. Again, you're only good as your last fight, but I think he might have enough of a bit of match to, to beat Maxwell, do maybe a late stoppage, possibly. Um, obviously, we've seen Maxwell hurt. He had that great fight, or that great war. He had this, Turn the tables on the guy. He's got badly knocked out himself. He has shown he has got a bit of boxing IQ about him as well when he was boxing, boxing in the world of boxing eh, as an amateur. But I think he's also got a wee bit of kind of fragility in that as well. I think Smith 
as good as what he is, I still think he still needs to break through a little bit. So if he is going to go up in levels, that as well, I like to see him kind of do it a wee bit of class, uh, and maybe do do the late stoppage. But um, yeah, I'll stick with the late stoppage. I think mate. Maxwell is generally generally good, uh, good opposition as such. But um, I still think as well, he has got that wee fragility about him as well. Actually, I think he would he would get stopped late. Uh, the chat are loving this one. Chris Butler says Dalton Smith is really good. Very boring, though. Uh, M. Lithgow, 1983, says Dalton Smith could put a glass eye to sleep. Uh, dares Rob, more interestingly, says it's been suggested this last hour, not sure who suggested it, that Dillian White has accepted the AJ offer. Uh, White versus AJ too, Rob, you're getting on board. That's interesting because Eddie was confirming or basically convinced, or you know, Eddie's like that he was, was going to fight Wilder in December. Fighting Wilder in December, but he's fighting... White, like big, big Dillian White in a in a in a warm up oh, I, I couldn't give a box. The old bait and switch, yeah, the old bait and switch for fucking Eddie, man. Like Dillian White, he's off fucking off a knockout Tyson Fury and a struggle win against Jermaine Franklin, and AJ's off two losses to fucking Usyk and a struggle, <laughs> and a struggle win, win against <laughs> Jermaine Franklin. Um, it's not exactly fucking making you chomp at the bait or whatever. Wilder and AJ are all up for. All up for because anything can happen. Exciting, two big, big fighters, big draws. This fucking rehash of two fucking I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But like this, what, what number? Not that this matters to me or whatever, but how many pay per views have these two had between them? A massive amount. And Dillian White's holding out for the ten well, million. Well, I tell you what, yeah. D- Dillian White passed up world title fight after world title fight after world title eliminator, and by way of compensation, Eddie stuck him on pay per view. So I'm thinking, run about like does it Chisora uh, fight possibly the first Chisora fight? About five or six, hasn't it? Aye, but Chisora possibly <clears throat> two Chisora ones. I think he had a two Povetkin ones pay per view. Yeah. He had um, Parker, Tyson Fury. Obviously, he had um, Joseph Parker. Uh, allegedly, Oscar Rivas uh, was pay per view as well. Um, mm-hmm. So lots How of people the test as well. Yeah, <laughs> like anytime Dillian White, I like Dillian White, and you know, we, as we just highlighted, he's made a lot of money for a guy who didn't really have an amateur background. It was a kickboxer. He's played the IFL angle absolutely brilliantly when IFL were the kind of leaders in boxing, YouTube, media. He had a great relationship with Coogan, which kind of made him endearing to the boxing public. He was brilliant on Sky. He'd fucking get involved at the press conference. He want to fight and the fucking gloves are off and all that. Did his part for selling fights, absolutely. Went on with a load of fucking bullshit in the run-up to the Fury fight, not want to be part of the press, all this shit. Like, and it turned out to be, his performance on the night turned out to be an absolute nothing. Um, Feed the dogs scur- steroids. Feed the dogs. <laughs> but it, it just, I can't see any other, like even the gun-shy version of AJ surely fucking blows his head off at some stage with an uppercut. Like I just don't see another way out. Like anytime Dillian White's been gone up the levels, he's, I think Joe Parker floored him. I think Rivas floored him. Derek Chisora gave him fucking life and death. Uh, he struggled against Franklin. He's knocked out against Tyson Fury, Alexander Povetkin. I just don't see. I think even this version of AJ surely has time to plug fucking uh, Dillian White. But if Dillian White was to somehow fucking <laughs> knock out Anthony Joshua and put himself in the in the frame for the Wilder fight in Saudi, I'd be all for it. Like, but uh, I think AJ will deal with him quite easily. I, actually, I could see this just being a twelve round shit. Fest. Yeah, I think so. Point shitty points fight. That's what I see too. Looking forward to it, Matty. <laughs> yeah, all, like just Who as much as everyone that? else on the podcast. On I mean, you're, you're a subscriber. Go on, Under. 
I'll get it for free because I'm in the U.S. though, and they know we won't pay pay per view for AJ. Fucking Eddie saying that he wants to get him a, a, a top fifteen rank fighter, right? I've just pulled up the rankings here. I don't see Delaney White ranked. Oh, there he is there. WBC number six. Um, just looking through these ranks, there's there's not, there's not really much for AJ. I mean, apart from Wilder, obviously, if you take Wilder out the out the equation, who would you put? I see Mcmudo's fighting next week. <laughs> The only one that you would probably want to pick out of the out of that list here is possibly Frank Sanchez, Martin Bacoli, possibly. Because it's, it's, it's somebody fresh. Who wants to see Dylan White? Dante Sanchez Bacoli are too sort of dangerous in respect of risk reward. I think Eddie probably wanted to put him in with Kovnaki. He was probably hoping <laughs> Kovnaki won last night a bit, yeah. He'll probably put him in with Joe Parker, mate. If a Joe Parker won, oh, he's, he's coming off a first round knockout. He looked dangerous before Cougs. Telling you, man, this is he's, he's hungry, he's coming back. He's, he's Tyson Fury's got him training as well. Tyson, you know what he's like? Oh my God. He's still got Gazev. He's still ranked in the top 10, apparently. Oh, I don't know how that's possible. Sake, not him again. And Gerard Anderson was talking about retirement towards it, 27, 28. I've seen an interview during the week there. What the fuck's all that about? So, yeah, the options are no great. And if somehow Caballero still bring up the top 10 with IBF, that's just. They, they, they better hope Dillian White does fucking accept the AJ fight because they were talking that Big Baby Miller was lined up for a replacement <laughs> redemption. Redemption for the Big Baby. I would actually big... like to see that fight before I'd like to see the fucking um, Dillian White fight, to be honest with you. I would like to see Big Baby Miller and AJ actually I really think, would. I think, I think the Kazakh the Kazakh or maybe the Uzbeks, is it? Kozabutski, Zan Kozabutski, he's fighting next week as well. So no, no, he he was supposed to fight oh, Anderson, was he? wasn't he? And then he he had visa issues, so Anderson's ah, fighting right. Prince Charles Martin now. Oh God! So, hold on, I the God, I, 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 Joe I, Joyce come off a KO. I I um, I don't know how to phrase this exactly, but I'm kind of curious if you take all four of the top fifteen, uh, uh, or the, all four of the sanctioning bodies and their top and their top fifteen rankings for their heavyweights plus the champions, and it makes a match where they share names, but wh- how deep does that list go? I mean, how many fighters are we talking between those four sanctioning bodies? Do they have their top fifteen ranked fighters? I mean, you, you, there got to be at least probably Ten. forty name forty names in total there. Yeah, but you know, if you want to take all those names, or I think I think you would easily get a top. Ten. I mean, there's, I mean, think about this. You've got Ivan Dyche, right? The guy's fighting in Mexico these days. Now he's top fifteen in WBA. Fabio Wardley, number thirteen in the WBA. Fucking Fabio Wardley. Right? Uh, literally, you could go through that entire list, right, and you would be struggling to put a, a quality top twenty, top twenty-five. Dempsey McKean. Yeah, you know, David Adley still bring, is bring just outside the top 10. Hergovic has been the IBF manager for three and a half years, Carlos yeah. Oerland said. <laughs> three and a half years. You've got Effie Ajag, but again, slightly exposed, right? I'm being kind there. The only other fighter you've been wanting to pick out of there, potentially giving people a test, is Big Otto Wallen. But again, it's, it's a bit like Frank Sanchez, as Steve says, who, who needs him? You know, it's, well, it's, here, a, it's a high risk, go. low so reward fight. Is mm. Otto Wallen in the top 15 of all four sanctioning bodies. Yes, uh, well, yeah, WBC, uh, I see so yes, far. Yes, yes, no. Oh, yes. Uh, he's no, not the WBA, but all the other three, yes. Uh, he's 9, 8, and 12. 12. With other three, he's nowhere near a title fight. He needs to be taking, like, a Hergovic, or, you know, he's going to have to take the B-side money in that as well, and then fucking do the business, because he's getting no favours. 
AJ, though, they, at the moment, they're going to put him in with the likes of White, aren't they? And like Chisora and all that type of shit. He, he's, he's like a fringe. He's like, a, you know, on the fringe now, isn't he? They're putting him in against names rather than, you know, putting him against people like Zhang or Bacoli or all that because they don't sell. They're difficult. They're potential banana skins. It's easier in it to put him in against the likes of Dillian White, who the public know, and even friggin' Del Boy. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, to friggin' Chisora. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they would do, actually, in terms of. Ordering like eliminators because you got Zhang now who's interim champion with WBO. You've got Dubois, I think, is the interim champ with the WBA. Yeah. You know, and you've got you just you mentioned Hergovic there's number one contender for the IBF for fucking god knows how long. I mean, how how long is it going to be until those? Because that means Josh was going to could potentially be waiting for a, a world title opportunity. So it'll be interesting to see these bodies come out and say, "Well, right, okay, we're going to order these fights." So Josh might fight Andy Ruiz rematch. Sorry, third fight. Sorry. No really want to see it, but I like to see Sanchez fight Joshua because I see Sanchez number three with WBO. Fair well, play to Zhang. I like Big Zhang. You know, he went in with Hergovic in an eliminator. He lost. I thought he definitely won the fight. Hergovic has been treading ice ever since. Zhang come over as the B side and defeated Joyce, and now he's further on than Hergovic. Mm-hmm. Hergovic, shit! I wish someone would just knock him out and get rid of him. I'm a fan of Big Bang Zhang. He's my favourite heavyweight now. Anyway, sorry, I think that was a bit of a tangent there. Sorry, we're about to go to for him. Is it a rematch with Joyce next? I mean, again, well, I mentioned at the time, Joyce, unless he does, you know, he moves that head off centre and that man, he's going to be eating those fucking shots, straight shots all night long again. Um, I've just shown that he can only eat it for so long when you're against a, a power hitter. Uh, yeah, it's just, and obviously you've got Fury, I mean, fucking hell, I mean, his sticks went fucking stale right oh, off the bat. I, listened, I was listening to his old man during the week, they're wanting apologies of people and Sugar Hill's a hired hand and just basically slagging everybody off. I'm like, oh, fuck this, man. I've been, I've been here and heard it all before, all before, and we're still nowhere closer to getting the fights that we want. You know, first he's wanting 500 million to fight, then he's, re- then he's re- uh, planning to retire. Then Frank's saying, oh, he can maybe take that fight for 150 million. So that's a fucking massive drop of 500 to 150. Uh, and then it's like, Dossa this, pussy that. I'm like, dude, just get in the ring and fight, man. I, I just think that Tyson Fury and Tiafimo Lopez need to pull their resources and open a mental health clinic. <laughs> well, that's actually a Ryan point, Garcia actually. is your third your third entrant there. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Lopez, actually, because it's a, it's a, it's a good segue because you know, Lopez is another one. You know, he, he could develop a real proper following, by the way, if it weren't for just shit outside the ring and squandering momentum, and he gets he gets two marquee wins and he acts like an absolute diva, runs his mouth, you know, it's just coming out with the most pff, horrendous stuff that he can come out with. And he's like, you know, he's, he's got, you've got Rolla, you've got Fury, you've got Berlanga, he's, he's competing with all those guys in terms of shit talk and that, man. He sits around inactive and then he's just inconsistent with his performances and that. Again, another one. Just stay active. Come up against the top competition, and ideally, just shut up and fight. That's Huey Fury. Whatever happened to him, Huey well, Fury. His name getting mentioned during the week. There, who was it? Somebody, somebody was mentioning his name. For the chat were mentioning fight. him. When did so he Michael last Hunter. fight? Michael what did he Hunter. take their order at the fast food joint? Hunt, Michael Hunter. Yeah. He hasn't fought in eighteen months. Christian Hammer was the last time he fought in October twenty twenty one. Steve, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be overly concerned if he wasn't fight again for the next eighteen months no. or for the next eighteen years for that matter. Because I'm kind of fired, fed up with that career as well, mate. I mean, if he had had a few more fights, Eddie would be looking to put him in with AJ. I bet you anymore. He just, he's just unreliable in terms of fitness and that. I just think whatever it was that he had wrong with him and that is still an issue. I think long COVID, seeing... according to Andrew Thicket. Oh, I don't know. You hear about that lot, that long COVID yeah. all the time. I don't know. Anyway. 
That's a good discussion, isn't it? Uh, keeping with the heavyweights, final fight to next weekend that I'm aware of. ESPN, Jared Anderson, 14-0. and 0. I thought at first, Matty, like a number of other people, Kosobutsky pulled out because of visa issues, which you hear about a lot in boxing for some reason. They can never get their visas sorted out. Anyway, and Charles Martin jumped in in his place. And my initial instinct was, oh, that's a better fight. But the more I think about it, it's absolutely not a better fight, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> what do you think? I thought about it, and I was like, we got fucked. <laughs> um, you know, I'll tell you, it's, it's not the worst fight on short notice. you got to think about it that yeah. way, Steve. It, it, okay. it, you know, he'll have a, uh, a potentially have a, uh, a former world champion on his resume, a little bit of Southpaw experience in there as well. Um, but, you know, I would fully expect uh, some way, somehow that Anderson, uh, the, the talented athletic beast that he is um, to uh, get uh, to get uh, him out of uh, Martin out of there uh, in the first half of the fight. Maybe not as early as he usually does. Um, I, I, I think that deer in the headlights, Martin, uh, that faced AJ. I mean, he's had enough fights since then. I don't think he's and he's on home took turf here. So I don't think it's going to be you know like that. But um yeah, I think Anderson will do good or will, will do well here. And I, I believe that, uh, you know, uh, and if he doesn't, uh, you know, uh, it's good to get that Seth Mitchell moment out of the way. So we know what's going on there. But my hunch is that he, he's certainly something more than a Seth Mitchell. Rob, Charles Martin's not 49 months. He's not going to be coming in any great shape, is he? Let's be honest. Charles Martin, fucking hell. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Possibly the worst world heavyweight world champion in history. And if anyone could give me a worse one, let me know. Maybe maybe there is one, but off the top of the head, I can't think of a worse heavyweight John world Ruiz. champion. Fuck out of here. Nah, John Ruiz fucking beat Evander Holyfield. Fuck me. Huh? He beat Kirk Johnson. Well, it was a disqualification. I'm sorry. I just didn't like watching You got to either did fucking Storm and Norman. You got to fight him, Johnny. Um... <laughs> But fucking Charles Martin won his world title because a fella injured his knee and then hit the fucking jackpot and fell over as soon as AJ hit him. And Eddie, confetti rained down on top of AJ and Eddie in the ring and they looked up at the stars and they thought, we have played a fucking blinder here. Like, and they rode that gravy train until the wheels eventually fell off against fucking Andy Ruiz. Like, but um, uh, Charles Martin, man, I don't know. Like, he got a lot of money early in his career. He's probably the most overpaid heavyweight based on his talent uh, in the fucking division. He's still floating around like making comebacks. I love this guy. He seems to never give a shit when he's in the ring or out of the ring. It's, uh, but it, every time he's making a comeback, and this is going to be the real Charles Martin. So um, I expect him to get blasted. Like, I expect him to get blasted. Unless fucking Charles Martin shows up next week and shows me, like, goes out and handles Jared Anderson, like, but I can't see it. Like he, don't, I don't even know what he's supposed to do. Eddie Charles Martin, do you know that way? It's like, Hamed makes a good point, Rob. He said Charles Martin lost to Cobnati. and that's a big <laughs> fucking bosh hip of shit. That fell, isn't he? Last night, oh my god, he's fighting a guy called Joe Cusimano. Joe Cusimano hey, that was that was the prime Kownaski. Uh, yeah, a prime prime Kownaski, exactly. So fucking um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Anderson by KO, I'd say. 
after eight rounds or something like that. But credit to Charles Martin, because if I was ever getting that braid and I was that level at anything, I'd be after getting the fuck out of it. Like, no doubt about it. I don't think I'd be hanging in for the for the taking the punishment and all that. Like, I think I'd be, I'd be Marcus Maidana style out on a fucking island drinking margaritas or something like that. Like, I couldn't see myself getting up and fucking running at six in the morning. So credit to Charles Martin for keeping his pro career coming. He's got dreams of being a two-time heavyweight champion. And dreams can't come true, you know, that way. Walks out like a god, man. <laughs> um, Jared Anderson, Andy, I'm not really a fan, to be honest. He doesn't. He rubs me up the wrong way, uh, let, let's put it that way. The way they've brought him along, I think he's a bit odd. He's fought these kind of three Eastern Europeans in a row who had very shiny records but were basically shit. Stepped up against Jerry Forrest, not the worst fighter in the world, seen him go rounds against decent people. I think he got a draw against Zhang, as we mentioned, although Zhang had health problems. Banged him out. Arias had a couple of good wins on the show box undercards, but was five foot ten, uh, grossly undersized for a heavyweight. So this is the first name on his record, and if he gets rid of him, it's a good win. What do you think about the way they're bringing Anderson along? And um, well, it's, it's pretty kind of standard what we've seen with top rank. To be fairly recently, that I mean, it's a similar show with the ten round bouts and that, that type of thing as well. One thing I'm a bit disappointed actually is is not having the um, Richard Torres on the card. I don't know if he's injured or whatever. That he was injured last time I heard you. Was he? So because again, it just seems to be petering out in terms of momentum for that guy. In that way, I hope his mustache is okay. Yeah, <laughs> he, he looks like a porn star, but but uh, and what? To be fair, I like Anderson. To be fair, that he looks like you know, for the size of dude, what he is six six five, big reach. Seem to put the punches together pretty well. And that it's just again another one who just needs 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 the opponents. I don't know if top ranks maybe got the the top heavyweights. Obviously they've got Fury and that, but that fight's never going to happen anytime soon. Just got to see him gradually step it up. But as I say, I was reading some comments from him during the week there that he's talking about retirement on about I'm sure it was like 26, 27, 28, which if that's true, he's only got three, four years to try and make a dent in the division, which obviously it might change in the next couple of years, but to be fair. I, I just don't know who who he's going to be fighting anytime soon. And that um, I'm just looking at some of the names here again, trying to kind of differentiate who's who's the different promoters that they're behind. I don't know. I don't know really. You got any names you you can throw out? I mean, obviously the usual ones like we just mentioned there, like Frank Sanchez. Is he no a PBC fighter possibly? Oh, he is definitely. Yeah. Um, obviously, well, he might want to try tie it in with tie him with Frank possibly with, with top rank maybe try well, and get. Mahmoudov's on the undercard, isn't he, Andy? Do you think that there might be sort of setting that one up between them? Because he hasn't looked great, has he, Mahmoudov, in the past? Another one who's been fighting the kind of level below. And that. And we just don't know what Mahmoudov has really got in terms of resistance and that as well. He's got the size, he's got the reach. Does look a bit gangly, I think, in that as well. Big, massive dude. It'd be interesting to see if he gets the pressure put on him to see what he would do. Mm. Um, that he's might be the ideal fight. He's got a handful of these undefeated prospects, Andy, at, at heavyweight. What's the names? What names not matching them. Well, you, uh, you had uh, uh, Mr. Mustache and, and then... Uh, Torres, man, but he's only like three three fights in his pro career. Uh, Jagbo, I thought they would maybe stick him in with. Yep, and then, uh, yeah, and there's just some people floating around there that would be that would be good that are kind of free agents. Um, a Demerizin would be good on there. I mean, he had that win over Kownaski recently, and I don't know that he's necessarily tied to PBC by any degree. Joe Parker, he's been out of the ring got... since then. I, you know, just sitting on the fucking shelf. Uh, there, there's a lot of decent heavyweights they could be matching him with, but I think 
Bob might be getting in a situation where he lets one of these things marinate too goddamn long. He's old. He's old. I mean, doesn't he want to see these fights himself? Is there nothing that intrigues him about these fights? Uh, you know, seeing young prospects take on each other. Like, Bob, you could fucking die, man. Like, if you well, have He's got the relationship with Frank Warren. He can maybe try and get the Joseph Parker fight made. I mean, that would be ideal for Anderson at this point. Ex world champion, still floating about, still knocking out bums, but you know, he kind of loses it to kind of top level. It would be ideal to see where he's at. And if he would stop the guy, a guy like Parker, um, like like what Joyce did, it would either be a bit of mystique to him, possibly. I think they're waiting for the, the belts to fragment Andy, maybe, and see if he can pick one up. Yeah, but. They know themselves that's not going to be happening anytime soon. As long as music and the Fury fight hasn't been made, those those belts stay where they are because they didn't want to be missing out on that fucking Saudi money when it comes calling that, whatever it is, the five percent, whatever it is they get off them. Um, so they want to be hanging about for as long as possible. But if it's going to be a, a sanctioned body that makes them move first, I think it'll be the IBF um, eventually because Hergovic is going to want his chance at some point. Yeah. And the IBF kind of pretty strong with the rules and that they did trying to. We'll just leave it at that. We'll just say that they're, they're, they're kind of the more... What's the word I'm looking for? They're more stringent with the rules. Aye, they? they've not got as many interim belts. If they have them, there's maybe a very good reason, like injury or whatever it is, that type of thing. But... Yeah, I don't mind an interim belt if it's legitimate, but I don't like it when people are fighting for an interim belt three weeks after the actual Aye. champions fought. That's Aye. just daylight robbery. Just well, speaking just of that, when is somebody going to just fucking take Charlo's title at 160? Because speaking of I mean, PBC, if Canelo has signed with the PBC now and he's going to be fighting Charlo at 168, that title is going to have just been fucking set and undefended for two fucking years like does anybody yeah. fucking care who's well, the, no. the number one contender at 60 is that well, Billy is it not Ad- Adames Adames has the interim title oh sorry no that's at 160 at 168 um, Canelo and then Benavides has got the interim belt oh right yes yeah one, that's right well hopefully he's going well let's talk about that because that was the last thing on my agenda and before we move on to Belly of the Week they're talking about him fighting Charlo Charlo is going to be rusty as hell isn't he I'd rather see that though then him stick around with Eddie. I mean, what did Eddie really have to offer Canelo? Belanga, Bivol rematch, they're talking John about Radu Jack, John Ryder, who he's already served up anyway, so he couldn't put him in a rematch. Eddie was even mentioning Diego Pacheco. It was thin pickings, wasn't it? Canelo had to go over to the PBC to finally get some decent fights, just like he did to have to go and unify with Caleb Plant. And apparently the Bivol fight is, is worthless because the WBC are not going to sanction Bivol for the belt. No, and Bivol will snuck him on his head he's anyway. Rushing. Yeah, because he's rushing. I mean, that's bollocks, man. What the fuck's I got to do with it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there, there is slim pickings in that. But I, maybe leave that one to Belly of the Week, mate, because I've got a couple of wee comments to make a Belly of the Week in that way, in terms of Edward John Hearn. But uh, no batter, of course. You know, he's just he's no, no. batter. He's you know, bitter bastards. Yeah. Um, what if Canelo's but, moved to the PBC, though, in general? What do you think about that? It's a, well, obviously, it's, it's a logical move and that. I mean, if he fights, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, if, if, it, if it means he fights Charlo, Benavidez, Morel, uh, that would be brilliant, actually. It would be class. If it's a three or a four fight deal. So if it's a four three, fight I deal, think. three. So that would be the three fights you're wanting, really. And then Canelo, win, lose, or draw any of those fights, I don't care. He can then go away and retire. Even if he loses some of the fights, who cares? He's fought some of the best contenders coming up at that time. So he's basically past his own era and he's now facing the next era of fighters coming up and if he beats those guys that then he can happily retire as one of the best of his era 
unfortunately he's going to have the, the drugs test against him in that as well. But I think those those three fights would be amazing. Um, I believe probably the Benavides fight for as long as possible if I was Canelo's team because the longer he's got to make 168, the more he's going to drain his ass down and he's going to be lethargic possibly. So that would be working Canelo's favour. But um, if he's I going think Morel do... gives him all sorts of problems, Andy. I don't know why, it's just a hunch. I think Morel gives Canelo all sorts of problems. Yeah, but it's the Benavides fight I want to see, mate. It's, yeah, me it's, too. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the absolute pressure that guy's going to bring on him, man. That's what I want to see. You're right about Charlo. What do you what do you say about him at this point? There's not really much you can say. This is Jermall Charlo we're talking about now, eh? Ah, yeah. Jermall Charlo. Yeah. I remember, who was his last fight against? Was it... He was supposed to fight Selecki. Was it that Montiel or did he fight... Montiel. 12 him? rounds against Montiel. That's what it was. He's he been off him. trying to get custody for his kids, apparently, I heard. June 2021 was his last fight and he fought for WBC Freedom Belt. Yeah. I didn't know anything about the kids. So, so if, that's a, if that's an issue, then let's say... Uh, Chris Butler says all the Canelo fights will be pay-per-view on PBC. Absolutely, of course they'll be pay-per-view. Oh, sure every fight on zone was pay-per-view. Every fight Canelo's in from now on is pay-per-view. Oh, aye. Without doubt, mate. Without doubt. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's officially announced yet, but it's, maybe it's September, so Independence yeah. Weekend, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, Matty, obviously we know the fights we want to see Charlo, Morel, Benavides, Andy mentioned all of those But you know which one I think they might sneak in? Mm. Demetrius Andrade, I'm not even joking, you know He fought on the PBC, didn't he, against somebody recently Was it was it Demon Nicholson? Somebody like that yep. And Eddie couldn't get it over the line I wouldn't be surprised to see them sneaking in an Andrade, you know To bulk out that three-fight deal and keep Canelo ticking over For the, the Morel or the Benavides as maybe the next three-fight deal after that or something you know what, Steve, if you're going to get out in front of that one, I'm going to get out in front of you, and I'm going to say, unless they stack that undercard to the fucking roof, I will not <laughs> fucking pay for that goddamn piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck me. I'm not saying I want to see it, Matty. I'm just saying what we could see. It, it could happen. It, it, it could happen. It, it's possible that boxing has gotten to that low of a point. I'm not here to dispute that we could see Canelo versus Andrade um, on pay-per-view. For the price of $80. I mean, not like see it physically because we wouldn't pay $80 to watch it, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you might be very well right and that's sad. Especially when you consider, like Charlo I think is a decent enough fight. When you consider the rest of their roster and what's available there, Steve, uh, fuck. It's how stupid. Do you think it'll all be at 168 or do you think they might pull a few shenanigans and drag it out to PBC 175 fighter or something? I, I can't think of any. That's literally just come to me now. It could be a terrible idea. That's why I struggle too is I don't think there's anybody up there. I, and I mean, unless they're trying to find another cruiserweight to try to pull down to 185 pounds or 180 or whatever, mm-hmm. like they tried to do to Badu Jack, I, I don't think it's there. And, and I'm fine with that, Steve. I, I think the fact that Canelo has held... Um, titles in four different weight classes. Can't forget that win over Kovalev at 175 is very, very impressive. I think he's uh, just a big, stout 168-pounder, uh, um, and and he should kind of uh, finish out his career there. And, and, you know, in a pinch, I don't doubt that he could still make 160. A final one to you, Rob MB says, poor business from DAZN, all those fights and no big cash-out fight. Yes, yeah, same as Ryan Garcia, isn't it? Biggest fight of his career went over to fight Javonta Davis. That's DAZN all over. Do you know why? And you'll know, you'll probably agree with me, Rob, you might not. It was a, a, a relationship of convenience, and it was all stacked in Canelo's terms. I bet Eddie's fucking taking that mantle, eh, that foot off the mantelpiece now, eh? <laughs> hey, fucking bitter bastards. He's, he's back to the con saying that he's going to look at you. We made tens of millions of dollars at the zone, but 
he will always be known as a drug chief. A drug chief. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not looking good, bro. Is it? As Castillo would say, it's not looking great for for Eddie in the zone. Canelo off, AJ fighting fucking Indian White. It's a bit of a graveyard at the moment, as I mentioned earlier, like scrappings of other promotions, nearly men who never made it. That he's trying to. I remember uh, the the old um, CEO of Def Jam, Leo Cohen, talking about musicians and saying that uh, we sign stars, we don't dust up bums. Well, Eddie's devoid of stars and he's dusting up a few bums at the zone trying to prop up the subscriptions. They must be ha- the board at the zone must be having a fucking nightmare. Like, look, lads, everything's going to be okay. We got Canelo. AJ is going to fight for the unified title. He's going to win his title back against uh, Usyk. Everything's going to be smooth. And then shit just didn't happen. <laughs> like then Ryan Garcia gets beat. Canelo leaves. Garcia's looking to leave. AJ's fucking struggling against journeymen. Really, really can't. Yeah, I cannot see this thing going for another year. It's I'm it's remarkable to me that it's lasted this long after making such huge losses that they're still there. Now maybe they're playing the long game. And of course, the zone are not only involved in boxing; they have other sports that people don't give a shit about as well on their network. Um, but need to remember, Rob, it's too ferocious, it's too competitive, it's too expensive. Yeah. But <laughs> even with Golden Boy and, and even with Golden Boy and Matchroom together, like it just doesn't seem to fucking work. It's not, it's not, it's not happening. Like, so I don't know. Like, I don't give a fuck about the promoters or what the fighters, or what, what network the fighters are with or what promoter they're with or whatever, as long as we're going to get good fights. But what the zone have been throwing out this year has been fucking shocking, like shocking on both sides of the, the oh, pond. D- Delavoy oh, is suing Garcia. Sorry, go ahead, Matthew. Well, well, what's so nuts about this when you think about it is they have all this money invested to it here, there, and everywhere. Boxing is rife with crooked decisions and shit, and they couldn't even buy off the judges to protect their biggest investment? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Who's running this fucking shit show? They can't even be fucking crooked in a crooked sport and turn a profit. Fuck Goddamn amateurs, Steve. Fucking amateurs. <laughs> Matt Butters, Matty says, pay £20 a month, month to help the zone. It's like one of those. It's going to happen. We're going to start with my fucking <laughs> charity <laughs> line number, Matty. This is Edward. <laughs> <laughs> Edward can't make any decent fights. Please, £20 a month to help him. Like the snow leopards. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Edward. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please pay twenty pound per month if you don't wish your favourite TV stream to go defunct. <laughs> Box Nation was better value. Oh, oh yeah, hundred percent, man. Box 12, Nation was twelve pound a month. You were getting three fight. You getting three fight cards per week. You were getting all the top American cards. You were getting all the Russian cards. You get Lebedev getting killed on TV against Galera. Brady was brilliant. Yeah, it was. It was, it was ahead of his time. It was brilliant. Yeah, the EBA championships. I remember that. Our services championships were on there as well. It was fucking. Bouncy on the couch with Steve Lillis for eight hours non stop. And, and you know, asking <laughs> Del Zora about Black Britons and you know Black Brothers, not that stuff. You know, <laughs> Fox Nation and Wealth TV for the like two or three years that it lasted were the fucking best things in boxing. Oh, uh, Box Nation was brilliant. Yeah. By by far, Triller's Triller's been right off the fucking mountain cliff as well, hasn't it? Hey, fucking Jesus! Oh, I Triller's gone. They're still doing fights. Triller fight nights, aren't they? Well, they it's it Triller is it's through Fight TV. That's what they've rebranded as. Um, so they're kind of still kicking along like uh, there. And I I honestly kind of like watching the bare knuckle fights. I'm not saying that all of them are talented or anything like that, but and in in a pinch. You you show me fucking two hillbillies swinging for the fences, and I'm probably gonna watch it at this point in time. It's uh yeah, but Fight TV uh it basically exists, and they got some weird cards here and there. That's um I have a feeling 
that that's where um because where because there's no us tv for cruz discern and marshall yet i'm very worried at this point in time um but uh i have a feeling it's going to land on fight um but uh but we'll see it's uh, i don't know it's a, it's a weird network I'm laughing at a picture there, Steve, because looking at Eddie's hairline there, I've seen a video of him during the week there, he was talking about the fights, and you can clearly see that he's had, he's had the old Turkish hair put in there, <laughs> right? And he's on Twitter there during the week now, he's, he's saying, I'm contemplating going to Turkey. I says, the reason he's gone there is because Eddie loves a fucking pound note, so he's trying to save some cash, and he's going to go to Turkey for this fucking cheap hair transplant. No, he's going to go, he isn't going to go anywhere else, he's going to go to Turkey to save a few bob. Bring Stop back Avni Yildirim. Oh, mate, you should see it. It's horrendous. Oscar was using that graphic. I think Oscar's listening. Evening, Oscar. Uh, he was using that graphic on Twitter about Eddie during the week, that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Bell You the Week. Good stuff. He's going to do uh, a walkabout through Australia to prove his love when it's all said and done. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> right, um, anything else anyone wants to throw in? Get off your chest before we get on to Bell You the Weeks? Uh, uh, say no. Have I missed any cards, Matty? No? I, I think I mean, there was probably one that we missed like in the middle when we were off, but I, I think I'm fine with getting out of here in two and a half hours today. Steve, let's fire away. Absolutely, it's fire away. Um, you are listening to episode 528 of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. There's the doctor in the top right-hand corner. Shout out to him. Rob's here. He's been with us all night. Uh, thank for that. Andy's here as well. So is Matty D. Jalonado. Uh, Belly of the Week for episode 528. We got sent this one by a mysterious donor going back about six or seven years on London Reel. It's the Gad. He's looking a little bit porkier in this uh, clip, but he's giving a, an insight into what might happen down in the dungeon if you were to lurk down there. Mm. Let's listen to the old Gad. Well, Ariel sits back and enjoys yeah, it, doesn't he? And I don't agree with that style of journalism. He's got an interesting interviewing style. Obviously, he's come up really quick. and uh, But now, you, I just, I love Ariel. Well, it's a submissive style, isn't it? He asks the hard it's questions. Aggressive. It's not a submissive. Is it? He asks the hard question in a submissive way. Yes, he does. Which, which works for fighters, does it? Uh, I don't it's know. It's not your yeah. style, obviously. No, I, just, I, I'm, 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 I think I'm quite honest about things, you know. Okay. I mean, you know, but I do consider myself to be a bloke. I might not kind of have a fight with Pete now in the octagon, but I'm a bloke, you know. As I said to you before we started, if I had to put an axe through your head, I would do it. If I had to... For no reason, either. No, 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 I said for the right... I said for the right reasons, I would do... I would I would have to do something. I tell you what, man, that man, that he needs to get their teeth fixed to it like a fucking row of condemned pussies. When he gets the guard's axe in his head, Andy, I'm not worried about that. Exactly, man. The is there. The guy is asking all the difficult questions there, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was, that, was that the guy when he was running Big John's house with the Chinese, eh? Aye, maybe. <laughs> asking for that chicken, that chicken corn ball. It's really asserting himself there, you know, <laughs> as long as she knows that I'm all man. Well, it's not uh, Chinese uh, this week, Andy. I know a lot of people are starting to get fed up with uh, Big John Fisher, but we're getting oh. sent in the content, so we have to play it. And I think maybe uh, the people around John are getting fed up. Zero in-person engagement here from this McDonald's order. Look at how disinterested everybody is now. Who wants a fucking burger? Who wants a fucking burger? Who wants a fucking burger? Hype 
man, no fucking living it there, is he? No. <laughs> I had to laugh actually. He was saying he was in. He was going to. I said to you during the week actually. He was going to wait for a Chinese oh, short corner with his sons during the week there. And he got in the fucking driver's seat of the, the, this 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 wagon that he drives, probably with fucking reinforced chassis that type of thing. But this motherfucker's pulling on his on his seatbelt about seven or eight times so he can get it run about him to get it plugged in. <laughs> fucking horrendous. <laughs> All in that divorce what already. The day I think of his shit. I think of the shit. He's walking around. What's the fucking matter? It's just crickets. Like, oh, <laughs> do the fucking TikTok. Give us the food, Dad. Would you? For fuck's sake, man. Who wants a fucking burger? It's McDonald's. Like, how is anybody that excited about a fucking McDonald's? I know. It's a 78 pence fucking burger, man. What does that tell you? <laughs> and do you think it says the guy is too honest, though? His digital trail is going straight to the Hague. <laughs> We'd like to remind everyone that this is a satirical show and all yes. this is meant as a joke. <laughs> the views of I'm Andrew very honest. <laughs> I was hacked. Gad. <laughs> yeah, we don't endorse those comments from Andrew Thinking. He has uh, he has his own he has his own pre um set of fucking pre uh, pre made excuses, doesn't he, Gad? Like he said last week on Twitter, I was hacked. He just said I always tell the truth. I was hacked, the Gad. Uh, flimsy excuse. We're gonna have to start calling him Kid Gadahad. <laughs> very good oh we love the guy on this show uh, Oscar De La Hoya as well is a regular appearer in uh, Belly of the Week he's not happy with Eddie's cards he says another shitty card from Eddie Hearn in the US go back to the UK and watch another fight of the year candidate July the 8th <laughs> Virgil Ortiz versus Imantos Stadionis he's firing shots and he is uh, Oscar over at Eddie oh well I seen him on, the, on his private plane actually I was actually going to put this one up he's actually like uh, sitting in a nice glass of Spirit, he's down there, he's 11 time world champion, six divisions, Olympic gold medal. I'm sorry, and he just turns the camera in about and he's seeing when he's playing there and drinking his glass, saying cheers and that. Man, I thought Oscar was loving the life, a little bit, a bit gassed. Maybe it was the same time he sent Eddie that tweet actually at the same time. Go back to the UK and watch another fight of the year candidate July 8th, which I'm going to miss actually. I'm going to be in hold at the time, but Ooh. um, yeah, he's he's not missing uh, Eddie, is he? The poor Oscar and that, but at the same time, as these these guys have got fighters in the same divisions and the same network, and you can guarantee we're not going to get these fucking fights because these two are just yeah. The zone needs to bang their heads together, and they've repeatedly yeah. Andy not been able to make fights. The zone needs to fucking fire at two of those guys and get somebody in who actually wants to make these fights. Mm. Um, but I, I, I don't know, I, man. Tell you what, man, life's rough when uh, the uh, cross-dressing cokeheads are taking shots at you. <laughs> Lonesome Eddie. Life's rough for us as well when Johnny Horscott Nelson is thrown in 79p. Well, it's worth a, it's worth a fucking burger. It's at a least. burger, they are, Andy. Get a McDonald's fashion 70 burger. 70 pence burger. It's a fucking yeah, burger. That's, fucking Bosch Army, Bosch. Being a family of six. Being a family of six. Feed the Waltons. Uh, yeah, uh, John the Bosch father, Big John Fisher on tour. Hear the life story of Big John and how Bosch has made him a global sensation. Meet and greet, photo opportunities, and a live Q&A in Morley Town Hall. Ah, uh, it's the VIP Boschers, room, mate. Yeah, they Sorry, are VIP Boschers. What's going on up in... What's going on up in Leeds, like? Is it because the football team, are, after getting relegated, that they're fucking searching for these... <laughs> st- like, they have Warrington. Why did... Why are, you, why are Leeds adopted for it, it, John Fisher's up in Leeds every fucking two weeks. He's complaining about the price of the train up there when he's getting paid to go up there. What's going on in the, in the people of Leeds yeah. and they want John Fisher in the Morley Town Hall telling know. about he needs well, to, he needs, how, he needs, how, big is, how big is the Chinese population in Leeds? 
Abe's is adopted Leeds as well, isn't she? She's they've taken her in like a Greg's pasty. Like, haven't they? Fuck me. I don't know what's going on up there. <laughs> well, they've taken her in, but vice versa as well, Rob. Vice versa. Well, the thing is, the thing is, we probably sent our fucking generational ancestry out there actually the handcuffs, so that's just coming back home, you know. Ebbs has history, though, to be fair, Rob. She's been a massive Leeds fan ever since that 2021 Twitter poll. <laughs> She's a tight... Johnny Giles, he has a fucking picture of Johnny Giles. She's doing content with Johnny Giles. For Johnny fan. Giles. <laughs> Jack, Jack Charlton. Ebbs and Lucas Radley. Billy Bremner. Wait, hold it there, hold it there, Ebony. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, get, get along to the two. And they're Big John. The with the XL VIP washers. What the fuck is that? What's this? What's big this? John's turned up at Glastonbury on apparently oh. on a flag. I tell you, amazing. She's hanging for the rafters, right? You have to be fucking kidding me. What? This is the world you live in now, Rob. I, I, <laughs> He's done that. Like that has. To, to be honest, if you, to, if you told me Big John was hanging for the rafters, I'd demand proof. And then I'd have seen that. I'd have been disappointed. I'd have been trying to get away from underneath the rafters. Makes you feel any better. There's a timeline uh, where you're an investment banker and uh, Big John isn't famous. So, uh, yay for that version. Don't like the sound of that. that Who's our Photoshop guy again? Ryan Deal. Does he do that? I probably, I don't know. Real deal, Ryan Deal. I run the real deal deal. Well, he has been up to his Photoshopping skills this week, including the guard with uh, Diamante. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus (laughs) Christ. Classic deal. He's fucking good. He's going to boot like the guy's going to boot like that guy, like Uti Boon. What was his fucking name? Oh, yes. Oh, what do you call him? Oh, fuck, I can't remember. Oh, I forget his name. It's like that kind of fucking, that 80s era of fucking UK detective shows, like fucking Denji and Megpiece and that, like, wasn't it? CI5, the professionals. There's a good remake, uh, Dempsey and Megpiece remake with the guy and fucking Ebony Bridges said, What's that? Oh, for fuck's sake. One night in Leeds. <laughs> Last Tango in Leeds or something like that. Uh, Last Tango in Leeds. <laughs> we we, oh. we have imposters of Jim McDonald boxing. Oh. <laughs> in the chat, we have Jim McDonald boxing 4.0. And then we oh. just have Jim McDonald boxing. It, I, I, I had a day to do that over this, Steve, but I found myself. No, that's okay. That's it. It deserves a life forever. Seriously. We need to make Curly Watts a spanner so he can come in and sort this out and get rid of some of them. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you know, the thing is... I don't like, really know. I, I know somebody here needs to get a life, but I'm not <laughs> sure who at this point in time. Is it Mavis, any, was that all, uh, one, what? Wait a minute, Mavis, was that the old woman that appeared on some show sucking off a Chippendale at one point? <laughs> what? What? They go crazy street. Well, Derek's got to be this fucking devastated. I'm sure. Oh, God, man, he must be making that up. No, I'm not. Honestly, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. You can stick it up in the bell with me. I kind of want you to <laughs> <laughs> He's thinking of Deirdre Barlow, isn't he? <laughs> Deirdre Barlow, man, behind these spectacles. Holy oh, shit. What are we doing with our lives? Guys? I don't even know, man. Me dad used to reckon that Martin Platt 
was getting danger money in his contract for having to kiss Gail on the day. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, it was it was an old me ball. I'm sure it was old Mavis My back in the day. This is a slut truce, says Andrew Thickey. And if Andrew go. says it, <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm the I can't even find it because it's there's obviously right. there's obviously there's obviously a lot of sleaze in these you know, TV soaps. And that. <laughs> you've, got, you've got Bill Roach cropping up. You've got Kim Marcy's sex tape cropping up here as well. I'm like, oh god, man. So anyway, Google. I'm sure it's Mavis. Her name was. You you've got that Roy Cropper apparently who's who's going to marry a a, a man who's. Or a woman, whatever it is, has got a cough. I'm not too sure, but I'm fucking thinking about it right now. <laughs> Julie, Gu- Julie Goodyear, remember her? The big hair. Mavis sounds like a 65-year-old black Force. woman Jesus. from Mississippi. Oh, aye. Got caught fucking nah, romancing. IT, she, she got caught romancing the bone in somebody's car or something like that, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to have to move on. I'm going to have to call order here. No, I never. It's <laughs> <laughs> so fucking sex scandal asylum. <laughs> I swear to God, she must have been a bit of something, Martin. She just pulled the guy's bone out, man. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I swear to God, it's true. What the fuck? He's going on a wine up And I know basically none of these references, so this is even stranger for me than you guys. I hope you understand. Uh, don't Google them, I think. Like when you'll be talking okay. about fucking whatever the fuck you would be talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> there has to be some American flair to this show, you know. I mean, it's uh, we gotta, you know, yeah, exactly. So much soft ass shit at the moment that we're even fucking Anyway, uh, Tony Bellew is coming back, everybody. He's oh, hinting no. at coming out of retirement at 40. He's called out WBC Bridgeweight champion Lukas Rosinski today, apparently, Robbie. He wants to come back. I'm all for it. Come back. <laughs> see what you have left why not um, it, maybe things are getting that bad at the zone that they're just fucking wheeling belly out like any chance of a fight mate you got your gloves no it's Dan Barker the thing is though, the Ant- Anthony needs to tell, uh, tell the boss of the household but he, you know he's going to go into a fight and what's she going to say about it uh-huh. who knows what she'd say to be honest <laughs> maybe, maybe Eddie came up to see him when he was at Asda singing come and get your black bin bags like we're getting the band back together <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Corn beef. We're on Skid Row 20. I need you back, mate. Oh, dear. Good stuff. Um, uh, on schedule, Roy Jones Jr. will take oh, on no. bodybuilder NDO Champ in the first ever boxing fight in the Metaverse next Friday. It'll be aired live on Fight TV, Rob. I don't know. A lot of Roy's recent fights have ended in the Metaverse. So I don't know. Dennis Lebedev put him in the fucking Metaverse. What's he doing? What are you doing, though? Like, just... For fuck's sake, just stop the greatest fighter ever. Look at this, like fighting a big bodybuilder with a chain in a fucking in the metaverse. Is this how it's supposed to end for fucking Roy Jones? Like, for God's sake. I mean, we know fighters go on too long and all, but Roy's taking the piss at this stage, like, isn't he? He's had a fucking he's he had his retirement and his farewell fight five years ago, and the cuts been back in the ring about ten times since. Like, he's worse than Bellew. Fucking hang it up, Roy. Like yeah, but Bellew was meant to go away and retire and enjoy life and want to be a recluse. Fucking hell, man! He's fucking name made a recluse him at fucking what's his name? Howard Hughes was. Have, have uh, you guys have you guys ever considered that Dennis Lebedev actually put Roy Jones Jr. into a coma, and we're all just a figment of his imagination since then? <laughs> Maybe he hit him so hard that we're all in a coma. I think. Steve Smoger killed us all. Thanks, Steve. It, it, it wasn't the particle accelerator. It was Steve Smoger that fucked us. 
Oh, everybody needs to hang them up. Go and sit around Walden Pond with, uh, with Tony Bellew. Anyway, talking of hanging them up, AB, Andy, focused on Regis Progre. I'm on your ass like back pockets, says AB. Yeah, <laughs> Come on. AB, man. Uh, absolute bollocks. Uh, well, to be honest, after Progre's last performance, that was absolute bollocks as well. But I still back Progre, man, eat up it and... Maybe no stop Broner possibly, but it would definitely beat that, beat the fuck out of him. I, I just have to say, I see growth or growth in Adrian Broner, and I'm going to give him credit. I mean, back pockets instead of uh, rape assistance, uh, he, he's definitely mm. uh, moving on up in the world. He's getting better. Yeah. Oh, Lordy, as Don King said in the background the last day. Oh, Lordy, you heard it here first. Um, let's give AB a big fight, man. He deserves it. He's fucking had a hard road there in the last. 12 years. Let's get him back in a big fight. Oh, why? Fuck him, man. <laughs> Bitches hit the like button, says Moz Morris. Absolutely. Kim is going to have him, actually. He's seen him in 10 years. We'll probably have Chino and Bruno having a fucking rematch on Trailer or something like that for like two bob. Oh. And it'll probably be like a catch weight of 168 pounds when uh, Mayorga and, uh, Mayorg and Vargas fought <laughs> Fight TV, BKB, Lagos, Chino uh, and Bruno, Redemption. Don King promoting. Don King will still be promoting. He'll be around. <laughs> yeah, there... yeah, definitely. Actually, there's... Lo- nah, it's not a nice thing to say, but I was going to say, who do you think is going to live longer? Don King or Adrian Broner? I think King is favourite. On a fair end of the spectrum, and hopefully you're not right, Rob, I'm curious who's going to go on longer between King and Aram, and I'm curious if one or both is going to hit 100. Mm. Oh, good one. Well, we may yeah. have a parlay on the body. <laughs> parlay on both of them. You're taking two guys to get over the age of 100? I, I bet I could get at least 12, 13 to 1 on that, Rob. It's a juicy one. I mean, they're already most of the way up there. It would have been a better bet when they were 55, but, you know, I wasn't You should lying. kind of start one of those tipsters telegram groups where you charge people like $20 a month to follow your bets. Why do I want to make other yeah. people poor? <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell you one thing, Matty. Uh, Don King will be on, on uh, Broner's ass into those back pockets <laughs> before he's retired anyway. He'll end up with nothing. Mate, the the money his money will even reach the back pockets, man. If fucking Don King's involved. <laughs> oh, Don yeah. King's like, I got it, man. A revolution. A revolution. A revolution. Relax. You got to send it to your revolution. I'd like to see Adrian Broner with Don King hair. I just think that'd be a kick in the head. Just, just going back to Tony's uh, announcement. That to be fair, you know, losing Canelo hasn't turned out to be a big problem after all. Eh? You've got, you got Bellew coming back now, so he would direct the ship, didn't he? If Eddie still had Canelo, he'd be trying to put him in with Bellew, Andy. <laughs> honestly, that's the best thing that's happened to DAZN in the last like, few years. They just saved like $40 million. Oh, Can- Canelo robbed the bank there, like. Oh, he did? Same with Andrade as well, I suppose. Boys, <laughs> stuck him up. Canelo stuck him up. Think about the fights he had. The hardest fight was probably what? He had Saunders. He had Caleb Plant. Was that a cross? Did he cross over to PC? Or was that the No, zone? that was on PBC. That was on Showtime, Caleb. No, yeah, that was on Caleb Plant. Fight. Yeah, and then he had Saunders, Ryder, Bivol. Yildirim. Callum Smith. Yeah, a load of Callums and everything. And then he just pissed off back to the PBC. Rocky Fielding. <laughs> He's like, I'll come, to my, I'll come to the zone if I can fight every 168 pounder in Britain. And... <laughs> Fucking give me people as well. Like, that'll be the fucking, yeah. Yeah, give me 500 billion to do it like Dr. Evil. Jack Cullen in Las Vegas. <laughs> Fuck. 
I, that's an interesting fact by Andrew Thicken. I didn't know that. He says Aaron and King will die on the same day as the JFK and Aldous Huxley. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. A brave right. new Oswald. Yeah. Think about it this way. If Jason Quigley had got the win versus Berlanga last night and Canelo was still with fucking DAZN, that'd be his next fight. Like, oh, you know it. Absolutely. Anyway, there are fights on DAZN. Uh, there's a poster to prove it. Uh, a poster for Rodriguez Edwards. Fight signed. <laughs> and, a, oh. and a special poster for it, Andy. There you go. Date and venue to be announced, though. Yeah. Why just wait till you get the date and the and date and the venue announced, and then just announce the whole fight fight. sign poster. No oh, low kicks. Christ. Uh, we'll, at least we're getting the fight. Well, it looks like we're getting the fight. We'll just leave it at that. And we'll wait and see if Eddie can bring the heavy artillery and bring it, bring it over to the UK. Let's see. Uh, a McKenna is busy on Twitter. This was brought to my attention. He came up with an absolute banger here, Andy. He said they need to put a WBO top 15 ranking on that submarine. Frank Warren would have found it in no time. Sounds <laughs> suspiciously similar. To a Kurt Ward, Kurt Ward in McCann, favorite days getting congratulated. Fantastic tweet. He only got sixty six likes, so I think yeah. Kurt actually hit it out of the park with the Miley McCann yeah. comment. I think, yeah, but... yeah. M- McKenna, you have to try better there. I'm afraid. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Kurt, Kurt Thiever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Forty yeah. eight unanswered questions. <laughs> oh, Anthony Crawler, Anthony Crawler, get to the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Thompson. Oh, um, by the way, yes, this this guy. This, I, I tell you, it's coming off the layoff. I still back Saunders to beat this fucking bum. Oh, definitely. They've been going back and forward on Instagram anyway. Saunders says, "I'm looking for a comeback fight. You available? You bum." And Balanga says, "How's your eye doing? You could see now." And Saunders says, "I only need one eye for you, pussy boy. You've got a record full of bums. So when you want a lesson, hit Eddie up. Bring your mum over also, because after all, you'll be calling me daddy. Good boy." <laughs> Straight for the jugglers. Oh, the banter. The banter. Mature, he's mature like that. He goes straight for the mother. <laughs> the, the high school banter never ceases to amaze me. It's just always bright, always hits the spot. There's that traveller charm. Traveller charm. Love it. Um, Roman Fury, talking to traveller charm. Brother of Tyson, faces a second pro fight. It uh, doesn't look like much of a fight there. Who's, who's, whose phone number is that, Steve? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. We'll just get rid of that one. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure. Well, congratulations to them, whoever it was. They always catch me as Andy on the, with the screenshots. I love this one, you. This is what I GDPR compliant asylum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except all cookies asylum. What are the loaded cookies, though, mate? Oh, exactly. Uh, so, what's going on here then, Andy? Promise in the world a massive fight that never happens. Well, if, uh, <laughs> as you see, Tyson Fury's obviously promised us the big fights, and that uh, one reason or another, he's maybe been partly to blame for no happening. Then we've got our man here on the left, Gollum, Progrosian, <laughs> going to kick Putin's ass, going to give us the biggest fight since fucking Fury pulled out of the music fight, and then he teases us all, all to the end and then pulls back. So, yeah, I thought that was, that was a quality one. Deserved its place in, in Belly the Week, actually. Absolutely. We've got a... Tyson just found his father. Jesus. Fuck. <laughs> He's probably less annoying than his father. Um, a couple of Eddie ones to finish us off with here. First yes. of all, uh, Eddie uh, getting stuck in with Helen Yee. It's all about boxing for Eddie, but apparently not. A bit of a Freudian slip back in the day. Uh, this is Prime Eduardo. Helen Yee here with Eyes on the Game here at the MGM, being joined by the man of the hour, Mr. Eddie Hearn. Now, very few give him a chance apart from the educated people in boxing that go he can fight you know so it's going to be a tough task and you know, it's not been the best best preparation for Anthony Joshua but 
Depressed. <laughs> Depressed. <laughs> yeah. Here, is that, is that her that really tried to get in it, by the way? Uh, oh, that's Jenny Sushi. God. Sushi, <laughs> you know who she is, eh? Jenny Sushi. Can't put the music in your head and your knees, for God's sake, Danny. Oh, he's on boxing, apparently. Well, that accounts. Aye, but look at the bags there. That's what he was doing. <laughs> oh, good old Eduardo. And you have sent us another one as well, Andy. Uh, do you want to give us a little preempt of what, what this one might be containing? What's this one again? Confidence Eddie. Um, I think a fight hype video you sent to me earlier. Oh, right, aye. So uh, he's just basically getting his opinion on the Baterbe of Callum Smith and how it's going to end. Oh, okay. Let's have a listen to Eddie. We we always love hearing from him. Callum Smith is going to knock back to the air. Spark out, right? You know, like a face down knock, knock out. No, well, well, listen. You're 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 not being very brave because better be the favourite. But watch, see this now. Sometimes you see it, right? And it's going to be up against the rope, and better be going to come in like he does. He's going to screw up his feet, and Callum's going to do what he does best, which is catch counter with the left hook, one punch knockout. Woo! Edward, <laughs> I tell you, see, see if that was anybody else <laughs> talking about uh, their fighter getting getting face planted. Eddie would be going, fuck it, have Coogan on speed dial. Coogan, get your ass up to fucking HQ Towers Monday morning. I'm not happy about this. Who the fuck does he think he is? Face plant my fighter's disgraceful fucking comments, all that type of stuff. You can imagine it. Bitter bastards. That's what you'd be coming out saying, man. But is it somebody else's fighter? Oh, it's, it's, it's a different story, eh? Fair game. Yeah, he sucks. So, said all uh, that with a straight face as well. Baterbev, I, was just, I was trying to find that picture of Baterbev when he's like looking, like screwing up his face. I forget what it was for again, actually. That would have been an ideal response to it. Baterbev is only going to be non flustered with that one, man. That's a lot of body for him to be, to be punching. Looking forward to that fight as well. Baterbev, um, Callum Smith. August, that one, Andy, I think it is, isn't it? I think it is, aye. August the 19th, uh, I want to say. Could be right, could be wrong. That's all the nominations I've got this week. Do you have anything to throw into the, the, the pot of stew, Matty? Yeah, I'd like to give one to Jim Gray, who uh, before his uh, in-ring interview with uh, Luis Arias said, uh, going to bring Luis Arias in here, and we've got our translator with us, at which point Luis Arias says, I speak English. <laughs> so... <laughs> that's, like, um, that's like you said about Brendan Rodgers, wasn't it? He gave the team talking and then gave the full team talking Spanish to Emilio Izaguirre. And when he turned his back, Izaguirre was like, I can fucking speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Did they do that with somebody else walked in and gave the whole team talking Spanish? Not, not a cunt in the in the room spoke Spanish. I think it was one of the earlier clubs. He was at Redden, possibly. He walked out and like, is anybody, did anybody speak Spanish in here? <laughs> what did he just Vamos. fucking say? Vamos, I fuck off. Okay, bro, a good nomination. I never said one bad word about him anyway. I know that. <laughs> Absolutely lies. I wasn't even going to message you actually to find out how you were going to feel about that move. I just, I just left it. I knew you'd be raging. <laughs> I never said a bad word about the guy. I don't know what, where this has come from. <laughs> uh, anything else, Matty? Or just Jim Gray? That's all I had. Uh, Jim Gray is enough for Matty. Uh, Andy, who have you got this week? Uh, yeah, another, one, another, one, another one for Eddie, obviously, for his interview. Can't talk about uh, Canelo moving on, the zone, PBC, a deal on that, it's the best move. But uh, Eddie, Eddie drops uh, drops a line off, but you know, the money saved on Canelo, of course, will result uh, making the mega fights. The absolute pattern that this fucking guy comes out with, man. The big fights. This is the guy who says it's, it's too ferocious, it's too competitive. Yup, Showtime's going to be out of the sport within 18 months because 
know, they're looking at this is too expensive, you know. So there's no fights for like Charlo and that over at Showtime. Come on, the zone. It's hilarious that Showtime ended up with the biggest mega fight there is, like in the, in the end of it all. Like. They're probably putting the best cards all year. To be fair, actually, Showtime. So no bad for a company to suit the fucking sport, I suppose. Poor Chuck. He normally gets forty more minutes of show. <laughs> one, one for Joshua Franco for missing weight by what was it seven pounds? Yeah, six and a half pounds. Yeah. And apparently they knew about it at the start of the week. That's just fucking outrageous, man. You had one job to do, you two jobs to do, and one of them you failed. So I'm not really giving a shit about that <laughs> career now, actually. That's why he's so depressed. Like I got him fat. <laughs> um, the boss shoulder army actually. I've seen the, the the field marshal general making a big call and that to the to his fight fans. So uh, yeah, sees in Brighton apparently boss soldiers. So, uh, make sure you're known in that area. When is that again? Boss Soldiers, 22nd of July. So, make sure you're known Brighton that weekend, boys. Yeah. Uh, one for Connor Ben and Eddie again, actually. So, Eddie Hearns confirmed that basically there's a deal in place for Ben to face Chris Eubank, right? So, we're not really, we've still not had any, anything clarity about all the facts coming out yet, and that. We're still just to be served up all this pish and for him to continue as is. Meanwhile, a week before, uh, fucking Conor Ben's tagging in Jerome Boots Ennis. You want to fight, mate? You want to fight? And then a week later, he's then got a deal made with Conor Ben. Fucking, you know, just leave it alone, man. You know, you've got no intention to fight any of the top guys. If it's no Brook, if it's no Parker, or if it's no Eubank, he ain't interested. Um, one for Boxer. Apparently, they were cold calling fans on Friday to buy tickets. Uh, what's it this guy says? <laughs> Don't get why Boxer cold contacted cold contacted fans to buy tickets on Friday saying you were still fighting. This is to add my Oh, the Azim flight, that's right. Yeah. I bought a ticket after receiving that text purely to see you and uh, you, they would have known at that point that you were injured should be a refund, surely. Was Azim no actually pulled off that card last week or the week before? He sure pulled off a, a long time before unofficially, but it wasn't officially announced, but they're, right. they're accusing Boxer of selling tickets off the back of him still being on the card. <laughs> what a bunch of cocksuckers. Who, who pulled him off, Mavis, was it? <laughs> I don't really know. I nearly ended up with <laughs> <laughs> Um... Did anybody catch uh, the, the tweet for pro boxing fans? Apparently, Prince Patel got oxtered to the fucking York Hall at the big Fraser uh, Fraser Clark fight. Oh, yeah. And we so, see all the comments that, like, London Arthur, Sandy Ryan, and Cassius Connor, and all the guys, and they, they, they're all fucking piling in, laughing up. And I think Sonny Edwards had a few comments to say in that as well. Don't know what the fuck happened, but Prince Patel was apparently taking legal action. Hashtag show me the money. Uh, Another one, Andy, I spotted as well this week. I don't know if it was a spoof or not. Ricky Burns fighting Willie Lim. Yes, yes. Fucking going back to the Twilight Zone now, mate. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Burns on ITV, is it? <laughs> Alex Arthur I on the undercard. Me. ITV, ITA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I ain't oh, watching that shit. No. Uh, obviously, the Badoo Jack Canelo fight. You know, this, this shows you Eddie talking about options for Canelo. So he goes to, he probably went to Badoo Jack. Oh, by the way, the weight difference is too much. You got to come down twenty pounds under the cruiserweight limit for like, the title to be on the line. Fuck off, man. Uh, so I, we're not going to see that fight happen. And uh, as I mentioned, I Eddie, the absolute part merchant, as, as as we mentioned here, he's he's a little bait and switch. Now he's talking about wheel. AJ fighting Wilder and then he's fucking bait and switching to AJ against White. Just the usual shite, man, you know? That's all I've got. Excellent. Thank you very much. Andy, uh, Rob, anything from you, please? Uh, nothing from me this week. 
Cool. Nothing from Rob, nothing from Ozzy. Uh, let's go through them and see what we've got before we make our picks for 528. We've got Oscar going in on Eddie. We've got the Boss Soldier, uh, soldier Army. Uh, oh, no, sorry. I had a brilliant one. Fuck off. Go on. Now, you? Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, Rick Glazer had a tweet today. <laughs> Happy birthday, Daniel Kinahan. Said. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't up. So great bunch of lads, Rick Laser there and DK. Nice. The only one that's remained loyal to him actually since the fuck he had a lot of fucking fellas wishing him happy birthday a long time ago, but they weren't uh, front and center today. But Rick Laser's hanging on to that spot in Dubai, baby. Happy birthday, DK. Oh, Gotta admire it? loyal people, you know. <laughs> I admire it. I'll Daniel, give me a chance to be we, we sub there, mate. <laughs> Cut a million with day fine, mate. I'll wash it for you, then you worry about that. I've got the Glazer's more loyal to him than Bomber Cow. Jesus Christ, happy birthday, Daniel Kenny. That's put that's saying something in today's climate, isn't it? Fucking sanctions list and everything is fucking Even Sam Jones was like, I'd delete that if I was you, Rick. <laughs> Scam Jones. <laughs> easy, easy, Rick. <laughs> oh dear, the rats are jumping off the ship. But Rick's still there. Uh, Tony Bellew's trying to come back for a fight. Roy Jones probably shouldn't still be fighting. <coughs> AB's on your ass like back pockets. We're having fights signed through a poster. Uh, we've got uh, Kurt's joke being repurposed, repackaged. We've got Billy Joe Saunders going in on Belanga, uh, Roman Fury. We've got Derek Cooper there with Fury as well. And we had the videos. We had Eddie confident about Smith icing Baturbiev. We had Eddie's Freudian slip. We had Big John's order. And we had the other video. Fact oh, the guard. It was, it was classic guard, actually. So, uh, yeah, a few decent ones this week, Andy. Who are you going for? I'm going to go for Edward Hearn, mate, for uh, multiple mm. offences. Edward. Too many of them. I mean, he's talking about oh, we've, made, we've saved money from Canelo, so that will, that will enable us to make the the, the big fights. <sighs> fucking key piece, and then he goes for well dirty fucking white. Um, you know, so a guy who's bringing the heavy artillery and bringing the ferocious competitive nature isn't he making it? Isn't he making the big fights? I mean, the cards have been deplorable to say best. Yeah, so one for Eddie, and plus as well for the you know. Looking at the breasts and that as well. I thought that was really good. Breast is best ready. Who are you going for this week, Matty? Oh, I got to go for Jim Gray. That was fucking classic. Uh, Jim Gray for Matty. I'm undecided, Rob, so it could be riding on you here. Who are you going for? Richard Glazer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that one. I fucking believe he said that on Twitter. Holy shit. <laughs> Gotta love Dick Glazer. Dick Glazer. He's made some of the best fights in boxing. I don't quite know what he does, but yeah, he's arse in chief. I'll go for him as well. Congratulations. Rick Glazer, you are the Bellevue of the Week winner for episode 528. Um, and if you can plug any sponsorship for the show, Rick, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. We're open. <laughs> get, get us any uh, We're open. Legs, legs, bum cheeks as well, mate. <laughs> yeah. Get in our back pockets, Rick, if you want. Yeah. Uh, we're happy to do that. Uh, shout out to the uh, Super Chatters. Who did we have today throwing in Super Chats? We had Ricky Gravier, who seems to have disappeared. Not Rick Glazer. Only one Ricky G in our life throwing in a fiver. And Johnny Hall, Scott Nelson as well throwing 79p. Loads of Super Chats tonight. They obviously missed us last week, Matty. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I think, uh, I think we're being reprimanded, maybe. I oh, maybe we are. A shout out to John Kearns who returned over at patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. He didn't even realise his subscription had ended 
And he, as soon as he did, he came straight back to us. If you want to join him, go over to patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. You need got to start to putting that shit up by like 200 euro a year, like the zone. <laughs> Get him in at the fucking, and then not tell him. And then all of a sudden they go to renew us like 200 bills too late. Talk to the customer service team, fuck face. <laughs> or ring them the night before, Rob, and pretend that guests are coming on the pod and all. And... Yeah. <laughs> we got all the big interviews are coming here. Yeah. We have fucking such a need. <laughs> oh, thanks to Rappy Bob Kelly who's been with us all night tonight great stuff Andy's been with us as well so is Matty he'll be in the red hot seat next weekend I've been Steve Wellings don't forget to hit the like and subscribe on your way out see you all again same time same place for episode 529 <laughs> and bye we'll never forget don't you we want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking so I can fight me. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum. You're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has, has failed has failed a test. Seven year old. Seven year old. I will fucking smash. Fuck you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. It's as simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.